Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Covering Liverpool Tales from the Press Box podcast. I know it's been a while. Like Liverpool's midfield and defence, we've suffered a little bit with regards to the schedule um, of late, so we've not been able to get guest time, studio space, just time to do it. But it is Christmas and we have got guest number five and one I've been really looking forward to speaking to. I've been trying to get him for a while. He's just told me he doesn't like to do these kind of things, so I do feel a bit privileged <laughs> and I know I am going to get the best of him despite his reservations. So it's Neil Atkinson, co-founder of the Anfield Rap. What other titles do you have around here? What's your what, what else are you? So I'm theoretically the CEO because I'm, CEO, I'm ultimately yeah. the person who has to make ultimate decisions and his name's above the door. I try to pass that on to other people as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I just sort of see it as hosting, to be honest. Yeah. That's the main thing that I think I do uh, on all this is, is hosting. Okay, so hosting, CEO, delegator. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, podcast guest, of course, as well. So I'll start really... I like to do these things without... A script in front yeah. to be without a um a sort of a, a real concept without a plan but i think it is without a plan because I, I i want you to tell me the story really i don't want to sort of be pointing you out this so tell me take me to the beginning and liverpool football club with you because you now are in a position where you it's your life in yeah where so i don't go that way yeah it goes right the way back with me dad uh first game was when i was five uh gary gillespie scored a hat-trick Oh yeah, there's a Coventry was it? Uh, Birmingham, Birmingham City, and they're running at the eighty-five, eighty-six season. There's a story about this that filters into. I don't really do a lot of the sort of conventional journalism stuff, but in about twenty fourteen, fifteen, um, eight by eight, uh, yeah, can, yeah, yeah, they got me to be a stringer, right? Um, for Gary Gillespie to go and speak to Gary Gillespie in Southport, so I got the train up from town. Big long train journey, further than you'd think. Get off. I need to get to Gillespie's place. He doesn't live in the centre of Southport. No surprise there. I know where Gary Gillespie lives. There we go. Out, enough, yeah. out in the way, out in the sticks. Go in, and Gary's there. Absolute gentleman. Invites me in, and first thing you see in his hall on the right as you walk through is the ball, the hatchet ball from the first game I ever wow. went to. And I had a real Don Draper, Mad Men style meltdown moment. Like Gary Gillespie's wondering why is this lad on the verge of tears in my hall? <laughs> yeah, because it's literally the football from the match, the first game I ever yeah. went to. Um, and I remember. I, I don't think I've ever seen any video footage from the game. Yeah. So I think I do. I think I've got legitimate memories of the game, if you know what I mean. So the first, the first, the, the Gillespie scores the hat trick uh, penalty at our end. We were Anfield Road with my dad, and he scores it at our end. Uh, and I think I remember that. I can remember there being a kerfuffle up the other end and them going one nil up, but no one knew who scored because it was a hundred yeah. yards away. And I think in LFC history, it, it was. It was. I think it's one of those where everyone thought it was Wheeling, but it was Rush. And I reckon there was a few of Rush's goals that were like that, where he just sort of turns them in. Um, Molby gets a penalty, which he scores um, in there. And I, I think, as I say, I've got vague memories of the game and went with my dad uh, on and off through through the 80s. Um, and then from there, you know, obviously went loads between... I went to university in Sheffield okay, yeah. for a ways. Yeah. Because back then there were so many clubs in the Midlands and in the North. Yeah, and yeah. And young person's rail cards. And it's actually be quite quiet. So you got Leeds, Forest, Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry, yeah, Sheffield United, Leicester, Derby, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. all three northeast clubs. Yeah. Um, and I come back for the Thursday, for the Wednesday, Thursday nights in Europe as well, um, and went to them. So I didn't have a season ticket, but I get to like this good whack of games, and then some homes, obviously during the season when I when I came back and saw people, that was really really good. And then sort of moved back and and was going you know regularly as a lot of people do. What did you do in uni? What did you say? Uh, history and bits. So I did, yeah, sort of. I was meant to originally do history and politics, and then I got there and I didn't particularly enjoy the politics stuff. 
So I sort of just used to argue my way onto other people's modules. Like I just turn up to admissions. Sounds like you do enjoy the politics stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I just sort of turn up to admissions officers. So I did some English, some politics, some uh, philosophy, some classics. But the, the overall degree just sort of becomes history. Right. And uh, yeah, I sort of realised you could uh, you could shop your modules. Uh, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you prepare like you before were, you buy it. If you were tenacious, you could shop your modules is what I learned in year one. And I sort of never really stopped uh, shopping the <laughs> modules through year two and year three. So I'd look literally on other other courses and see what was going on, yeah. and go like, look at that, I'll do that. I'll- we, had, we had Paul Machen on the show. He, he went to uni in Sheffield as well. Funny enough, yeah, was it a big thing for Liverpool, like a lot of a lot of Liverpool people went to Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, O'Keefe, I think, went to Sheffield yeah. as well. I think it's a good distance. It's far enough that you're away from home, but you can get back. Yeah, I think you know uh, London feels further for all sorts of psychological reasons as well. Newcastle, a fair few people do go to, but that feels like it's a, it's a yeah. slap away. I think Sheffield's got a bit of a vibe, and I think anyway, Sheffield, in a couple of ways as a city, is to Leeds what Liverpool is to Manchester. Yeah, I've seen a little bit as well, so I think there's a vibe thing. But also, I'll be dead honest with you, on the open day, we went to snooker. <laughs> Fair news, yeah. We got the bus, and we realised on the bus, on the way to Sheffield, hey, the snooker's on. And they literally just left, the, the, the first lecture at the start of the open day, and like six of us just walked across the That's city. I, and it was, it was pre-mobile phones, really, certainly the, the way of maps, so we, had, we got a bit lost on the way there, and then they sort of got us in. And we got the we got the morning we got the uh, morning session of the last sixteen uh, match. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, I, remember, I always remember that. And then we all came. And after the teachers saying, "I tell you what, did you?" We all had a great time. And yeah. I'm going to go. No, I was listening. I was, for, me and Neil have a shared love of uh, snooker, by the way. So yep. I was listening to Ronnie O'Sullivan talking about it, and he he was suggesting that you move away from Sheffield. But to be honest, if it's if it's doing that sort of stuff for the tourist board, then it's it's it's, it's, it's working. It's magic, isn't it? It's working for the uni on top of everything yeah. else. No, I think it's the. The, I, I think I don't think it should move from Sheffield I understand why Ronnie thinks it should and maybe they could do a one year or four thing because it's so big in China and all that sort of stuff but it's also just the way the Crucible is yeah. like I love the Crucible <laughs> and it's so on top and when you actually see them when they play with the divides down it's mad like there's some you, you can you can see they're about to touch the board at the back it's that cramped it is like being in the club yeah mostly for chat to come <laughs> as we go on um, take me back to your relationship with mm. Liverpool and media. So, how do you, how, you know, what was you, what was it like as a as a teenager, as a as a youngster? Where are you? Are you someone who consumed everything to do with Liverpool magazines and whatever? I mean, it wasn't podcast, but radio, phone in. I loved the radio. Yeah, I, yeah. I loved the radio. I still, I still in loads away with my first love. I loved Merseyside. I loved City. Uh, loved Five Live. Um, you know, I loved Danny Baker. Um, on there as well, the six oh six stuff, but also Danny Baker's own show that always was football tinged, but wasn't football dominated. The odd stories, the left field bits and pieces, the way in which it all worked. I loved all of that sort of stuff to pieces um, in there as well. I remember there was a weird Five Live. Because when Five Live first started, tries to load from Manchester. It sort of got back to that now, but it wasn't. They used to have something called Jim in the Dock, right. which was a Man City supporter and a Man United supporter out of Manchester. Well, the, well, the Man United supporter was Tommy Doherty, for God's sake. Yeah. Out of Manchester. And a supporter. So, yeah. <laughs> manager. Former manager, yeah. yeah. Um, and I really loved that. And that was sort of what they were doing on Sundays instead of 606. Okay. They had to, and that was, again, it was a bit more sort of flights of fancy. In a really weird way, Mark Radcliffe sort of falls into this as well, even though, again, football's present, but it's not a, fo- a massively football thing. So I like that sort of slightly more left-field thing than just the phoning, if you know yeah. what I mean. But I love that that feeling of things that were a little bit different. And then, on, you know, on the Liverpool side, you had all the obvious stuff, reading the echo vociferously, all the bits and pieces. That was massive for us as well. So that was always in my, in my mind through there. And then... Went to uni, got through the course, and me and uh, Danny, uh, Danny Fitzsimmons, we, we we did sort of three issues of a piss takey fanzine. Okay. Uh, called the Mission Statement, which was, you know, it was always only meant to be jokes. 
Um, it really was like it wasn't that Liverpool, Liverpool yeah, specific. Yeah, Liverpool yeah. specific, and and you know we got it printed terribly, and you know all the usual hits. And I think we only did three of them because we just hated selling it. We loved writing it, and we hated selling. Where it. did you sell it? In out the ground, out the ground, the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stood outside the ground, and we tried to do it for only a quid and all of that. But from there, me and Danny started to write films together. Well, actually, first and foremost, we actually got invited in to do something with Merseyside, um, and we. And this sounds like a mad sentence, and it's dead Jay Humphrey, so I'm sorry about that. But we almost did things that were a bit like podcasts before podcasts existed. Right. Uh, genuinely, like this is pre two thousand. We stopped doing uh, stuff on football. Yeah, so when's this? What, what pre two thousand and five? Okay. So Tuli is manager. Yeah. Uh, so we pretty much we we're still doing bits and pieces in the run up to Istanbul, but you know it's very much back end of Julia. So it's it's Jufera onwards almost. If you want to use a marker, <laughs> there's treble era, <laughs> then there's Jufera. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Mm. So it was that period we were doing bits and pieces, and as I say, it was all jokes. But five, but Merseyside invited us in, and back then. Merseyside had BBC Liverpool so there was Radio Merseyside but there was BBC Liverpool and so we started to record stuff for the BBC Liverpool page so we weren't on the radio but they put us on BBC Liverpool um, producer there called Paul Coslett lovely fella genuinely lovely fella um, and he was really really supportive and loads of people in the in BBC Merseyside were really supportive they just couldn't put us on the radio because we were so outside the BBC Merseyside yeah. demographic. We really were. Yeah. And we'd say stuff like, we could see it an hour before X, and they'd go, so the country show's on. I can't move the country show. And be like, sounds, all right, no worries, we could do this. We, well, you can't do that. But what they did was they put us on doing these bits and pieces. So, Without, like, Sorry, BBC Liverpool, would that be... I, I, I vaguely remember the old BBC website. Would that be a sort of a little sign, sound clip on the side? Yeah, website basically. Yeah. You could, you could just, you could. Yeah, uh, we yeah. did like we did, and that's you just talking about a random topic about. Oh yeah, or doing doing voices and doing jokes. Genuinely, like it matters yeah. it sounds. Yeah, that's what we used to do, and and bits and pieces, and we used to write for it as well. And because it would come with the BBC on, and we were literally making it all up. Like we uh, we did a pastiche, and this you know a lot of it was quite hard knuckle stuff, and it's as I say, it's unbelievably put on around the week where. Uh, the Americans captured and killed Saddam Hussein. We did a pastiche of that, which was Ian St. John being delighted that they captured and, and got all the Julia. Because the way St. John used to be around Julia, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. And genuinely, that's what we did. And we put it on. And BBC, BBC Liverpool ran it. And, oh. you know, all that. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> so, like, this idea of, like, his centuries, uh, you know, his centuries were, were people like John Arnarisa and stuff like that. And genuinely, that, that idea, that because it always felt like they were gunning for Julia that much. So we wrote this stuff, and that was that was on there. But I mean, you could probably even find it on some sort of uh, some sort of catch up back here. Yeah, yeah. And so we did that, um, and then from about two thousand and five, we we started to instead want to write for film and television. So we were still going the match, yeah. But it moved into that, and in the meantime, while all this is going on, we're, you know, we're doing sort of jobs that are not always necessarily temp jobs, but like temp jobs through Liverpool. What sort of job? I've the, well, I've example. Paul was a worth restaurants. I've done the hits. I've you know the big Liverpool hits. I've worked for the Home Office. I work for the Gyro. Who uh, ah, uh, for the Gyro? Exactly the big two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is the big two. And I've, I've done both of them. Uh, worked in the city. Worked in shipping, and that's where I ended up. You know, worked for a really good company that was with good people around and. One of the main things, sort of genuinely, to take from it is I really always enjoyed the people that I used to work with. Like it was, I still can remember quite fondly some of the people I worked with at the Home Office. Uh, Do you know what I was going to say? This, I, I think there's a mis misunderstood thing about people who who end up being in creative sort of spheres. Who, who we call it sort of dead end job. We say, oh, we're doing a, a nine to five job. But actually, a lot of the creative comes from those kind of experiences, yeah. doesn't it? You, know, you think? I mean, Ricky Gervais is probably the best example of yeah. of that, isn't it? But you, you, I, I find that a lot where a lot of my reference points in even in this job that I do now 
I've, I always refer back to people I spoke to when I worked in, in the bank or where, you know, went to school with or whatever. It, th- those things are very formative, aren't they, in terms of being able to do what you're doing now. I, 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 think, I think it's so understated and I think it's so much the misbeat. But I go and do some talks every now and again to sort of 16 to 18-year-olds or even a bit older. And one of the things I say is that you'll get something from every job. Yeah. That you'll get something from every single job in every single moment. It's, sometimes it is just the people. But sometimes it's also like the the weird, you'll pick up a skill and you won't even know that you need that skill until it comes, God knows, down the line. You know, the, uh, there's loads of little bits and, and pieces of nuggets from my very limited sh- shipping experience that have helped me massively. Phone One of the reasons, you know, yeah, phone voice, treat the way in which you speak to people, but also just little things like literally, you know, I, I worked on. Uh, invoicing and accountancy sides. So now with the Anfield wrap, if we do want to do the big title, you know, I've got to look at spreadsheets and work out how the money works. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to if I I, I, I could pick it up. Yeah. But wouldn't even have the ground that I've got us to. You know, we we used to, I used to literally like I had to ship's account, so you had to balance the ship. So the, the full vessel would come into somewhere in the globe. You get the. And firstly, there's there's something deeply satisfying about balancing a ship's account. And as mad as that sounds, but I, you know. I did that, and then we went on to do- in- uh, documentation and, and, and imports and bits and pieces like that, and then ended up with a couple of side projects whilst working there. Um, and it's so useful. It's so useful to the background of film producing. You know, the, lo- so many of these are transferable skills. Yeah. Around the first couple of the first times when we started to do more and more video stuff with the Anfield Rap, John once spoke to me, and he was a bit nervous about um, basically a project that he was he was making happen. So he was effectively de facto the producer on it. But John's background was market research. So what I said, so, so I said, Sean, what did you used to do? And he I said, what do you mean? Market research, what would you do? He said, I'll get loads of people out there, get them to do this thing, and then get them to report back in and then take the results. It's exactly the same. <laughs> do it then, yeah. It's exactly the same. It, it's just it's just the people have got a different set of skills. But you get the people to a location, you get them to perform their skill, you back them, you're yeah. going to support them, you get the best out of them, and then you get the results of it and we move along and, and then the edit happens. And obviously there are different complications. But I would say this when we're going to get guests on. So sometimes people, Laura Brown, Laura Brown's brilliant, but Laura Brown will email me and something about the biennial and she'll say, yeah, I can get you this artist for an interview. And I always sort of end up saying a variant of, can you get me the curator? Because the artist, I'd say the artist's brilliant, so the artist's a genius. But it's quite difficult for people to understand a genius, if you see what I mean. And the artist will be a bit like, well, I'm, I, I just do it. Just do it, yeah. Whereas the curator, most people's jobs now, one way or another, or a lot of people's jobs, are about arranging things so that things happen. So people understand that better. Literally, you get yeah. someone in to curate and talk about why they made the decisions they made and how they've ended up here and send some emails, if we're all honest about it, balance the books, if we're all honest about yeah. it, pull it together. And I think that's more relatable. Yeah, I think getting someone doing that's more relatable, but that's because it relates back to all the jobs that we've yeah. all done. And you go from there. So now that doing that stuff was like it still was in the same way that, for instance, when I co-produced the feature film, I learned loads from that that I've used in Anfield Rap stuff. But I learned loads from other things before then that I used in yeah. introducing the feature film. And I think that it's the most, in terms of people's development, I don't think, you know, within reason, but I really do mean a very thin slither. Like I, three days, I delivered mugs. They were great. I delivered mugs for a, a temp agency around the offices of Liverpool. And it's a funny thing to say, but when you're quite young, you sort of, you don't always necessarily understand the city. And just so I went to so many offices, delivered so many mugs, and it's mad to say, but it really helped me understand the geographical and business layout of Liverpool. Because on the way, and I looked at where all the businesses were, 
how all these interact with each other. This one's just around the corner from that one. That's, and it sounds like a really weird thing, but part of my knowledge now of this end of town where we sit and shoot, obviously, I've now worked here for God knows how long, but back then I hadn't. Yeah. And it really helped me understand, yep, yeah, that's where the cotton exchange is, that's where the corn exchange is, that's where this is, if you need to get from A to B. And yeah, it sounds really yeah. weird, but it genuinely really helped. Yeah. And I think that, and that's just delivering monks for three days. <laughs> that's all it was. And I think that what we should never do is lose sight of every little bit that you do. And then within all of that, you've got the people that you meet. And in terms of what I do now, and also, if you want to go back to the idea of film production, I think being able to deal with get on with and not being able to get on with people like it's a skill enjoy getting on with people yeah. i think it's hugely important i'm sure it's hugely important to you as well because if you're going to interview in a footballer you don't know anything about the football before you turn yeah. you know you can guess or you, yeah someone else can tell you don't know but you want firstly you want them to be able to like you because you want to get as much out of it as possible being able to sort of and enjoy relating with people and enjoy people's company i think is yeah. in this is really really important and those jobs really, really laid into that. And then what you find there as well is that, and this is, I don't think this is, I was about to say this is a Liverpool thing, I don't think it is a Liverpool thing, I think it's a human thing, but I think it gets beaten out of people less in Liverpool. Everyone wants you to do well. Everyone wants you to do well. So in 08, you know, done the thing, trying to get the film production stuff going. And 07, 08, there's the beginnings of the Spirit of Shanky yeah. stuff. And I was working at the shipping firm that I was working at then. And people, they couldn't be more supportive. Listen, I need to dart, do something that, if we're all honest, is mad. But I could really do with doing it because we've been doing, yeah, don't worry about it, lads. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm, I'm glad you brought me, I was going to bring you on to that. So tell me about that. Then that comes up, Spirit of Shankly. Obviously, you're involved, involved with that and a massive part of Liverpool's recent history, history, full stop, in yeah. terms of the club, the city. Tell me about your involvement there and how that came about. It came about through Heaton. Uh, which is so often the case for a lot of people. Uh, so Andy, Andy, from about October '07, um, there were there was there were more suspicions around the ownership from minute one than I think is is broadly sort of acknowledged. I'll just stop you that. I I had to do a piece for the Echo once. Um, I think it must have been at the end of their tenure when they they lost the club mm. Hicks and Gillette, and I went back to the Echo uh, microfilm and read the paper that Chris Baskin wrote and if you ever want to if you ever want to if you ever get hold of that you should read it the Chris Baskin no one was fooling no one was fooling him at the time he he wrote a lot of things in, in the the initial um, welcome to Hicks and Gillette which later came true yeah Chris was really switched on uh, I think in general Chris is really switched on but Chris was really switched on uh, but he was just at the point where he was about to move yeah. away from away from the echo at that time. Um, and from there, there was the immediate sort of things, even in the summer, uh, you know, there's Maluza and Benitez is, you know, it doesn't feel like there's an operation there that's functioning. Yeah. And Benitez is putting that out there through sort of around the corners. And then we get to October and there's all the moving on stuff. There's been the the wondrous madness of the Rafatala. Uh, which still is just genuinely really funny uh, and a, a really funny Liverpool thing and you forget you know there's a lot of people trying to act like the world's mad now oh well social media's made everything mental I'm sorry there was the Rafa Tola yeah. I've just done that thing about BBC Liverpool that I've told you know what I mean like, yeah, don't think yeah, for a second yeah. there wasn't some sort of mad it was quirkiness everywhere yeah there's mad energy all over the place um, there is this there's this thing that happens there and me and Andy and um and Julio started to talk to a couple of people. It was like called Steve Harris, who worked in London uh, in PR. And what Steve's advice was to me and Andy was, what you need to do is you need to get surveys because people listen to surveys. So you can create stories around surveys. So Andy 
who had really had, has really good relationships with a lot of people got us out there to do um something that was basically surveyed all the forums and said what do you think of this ownership and the results were hugely negative yeah so i was then asked to do some media stuff well we were asked to do some media stuff off the back of it and he said you do it so i did it uh, and then from there other people got in touch paul rice peter hooten and said we should get everyone together and do a bit do a chat so we were meant to have a meeting in the sander and it was meant to be you know about 20 of us uh, to sort of talk through next steps and in the liverpool way it got out and it was about 250 people january 20 that were around there yeah, yeah, yeah. um I I, and mckenna came as himself uh like just sat at the back and everyone was there alan kyle was there uh some people got on stage and sat paul chaired the meeting uh said that's all he was ever going to do um and there was a lot of that in the room there was a lot of people in the room who'd been through a lot uh that was one of my quick bits of learning because you know i'm still at that period i'm still in my 20s and yeah. one of the things i sort of learned quite quickly was again the same way you pick things up from all over the place there's a lot of people in here who've been through a lot yeah uh for a long period of time and there's this new thing vehicle and they wanted to they wanted to work you know nikki uh was great on stage and sort of got everyone going and as i say mckenna asked a question in his own inimitable style uh, and as we finished we got off stage i, I grabbed i think it was julio and i said him get me him yeah. get him now um so grab hire and then yeah for everything uh, and we'll go from there and then the next day i was sitting down in the Everton development trust with peter firmage and uh, andy williams i'm working out how we set this thing up um literally set up this 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 community vehicle um and andy was, was full of advice for me and peter and it went from there really and and you know listen i'm not gonna act as though i, I loved every minute of it because it was loads of people no because it was loads of people trying to work things out dead fast yeah. and i didn't have that much of you know i had a real sense of what it was i i felt it could achieve and 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 on the whole you know i certainly don't regret any aspect of it let yeah. me be crystal clear because i think that what it has achieved in the round is is genuinely monumental um so i'm i'm proud of my limited involvement in it for the first sort of eight months or so what was, what was your title what was your well i became chair at yeah. one point so first of all i was doing media and then nikki nikki was finding it all a bit hard and there was just a lot of there was a lot of push and pull there was a lot of long meetings there was a lot of people be, finding themselves being quite emotional within those meetings a lot of energy was, needed yeah a lot of a lot of energy needs to get the thing going and then to go into the media store for then there's you know there's what's right and what's wrong and people are trying to work each other out and occasionally people were you know falling out a little bit um you know there's there's the, the, there's funny stories around that as well that I, w- I would i would laugh with the people themselves now if i saw them but i don't want to do them on camera because it could come off so yeah, yeah. it's cruel and unkind but there was also within that there was there was a lot of love and support you know and and genuinely i mean this is the first time i'll get upset on this um and it's not the last paul rice yeah like i love I that say, i mean yeah I, I should i should point out some of the people that you are you are referencing there obviously Paul Rice no longer with us, um, but someone who huge, huge. I sort of almost every day. Yeah, at Central Station. Yeah, and doing this. I said, I told you to upset. And this is why I don't do this sort of thing. Right. Um, doing this, like, see it there with Paul, mm. and I just think on good days, done well today. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and as I say, I've never really talked much about Paul. Because I, I left doing active stuff with SOS. Paul me got, got me back in to try and do something else and there was a little bit of a kickoff around it, but we always stayed sort of in touch and, and, and quite close. Um but he was so important. Yeah. And people in a way don't really the there's like in this city there's like a bottom up storytelling 
and Paul was was so important around that. So yeah, you know, yeah. But I, I, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about meeting people, knowing how to speak to people, knowing how to find a, a level to relate with people, and then you you find doors open somewhere down the line, or people they'll they'll give you a leg up somewhere else. I mean, I I, I always I, I'm sure you get the same. You must get guys in the work experience. I get a lot of people email me and say. Give me some advice. I always find it really difficult to start afresh. So I always say, can you send me some questions? But I always think, actually, I end up saying the same thing, no matter what the questions are. And one of the things I always say is just, just be sound to people. It's like, not like, don't, don't sort of try and not be too, you know, abrasive with people. And you see some, sometimes you have to be, obviously, and sometimes, in, especially in political, sort of like yeah. that, you have to, but you can do it still. You can still clash with people in a way where you're not, you know, burning bridges and massively that but also you know everything sort of comes around over time as well and also in those environments there's a really important thing to remember which is most people broadly want the same thing yeah so you can end up you know and there's so many people from that time you know there's nikki there's sheila uh paul peter uh peter peter firmage as well i was like saying when i see peter firmage there was recently dead funny you know what i say recently it's, it's back about sort of 18 months i went to brian Reed's book launch oh yeah and honestly it was like i don't mean this with Again, huge love and respect to everyone who who was there. It was like it would be, it'd been AI generators. Like everyone who was there were the people who were in advance had, had, would be there, and then they were and they were all themselves. Like I absololutely loved it. I had a lovely chat I, with them. One of them paintings where they put people from all different eras in the but same. They, 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 everyone were and everyone was, genuinely. I, I, one of them, <laughs> but I wasn't sure about going because I, I, you know, this stuff it does have me out my comfort zone. Doing this with you does have me out my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm not like Gibbons god he's such a good networker he's great in rooms he's really I'm not that guy yeah. uh, really and I get a bit sort of keyed up and a bit nervous and, and people you know I've literally been on stage in front of 60,000 people so this sounds like a mad sentence but I'm actually a fair bit of an introvert like I am I am genuinely quite shy is the wrong words because I'm not shy but I'm not I'm not someone who sort of who, who dances into situations if you know what yeah. I mean I have to key myself up to be that person and sometimes sometimes that can be you're very, con- you're very confident what we what- what you're confident with yeah i'm very confident, yeah. confident with and i'm but i'm also very i'm sure you know it's 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 a difficult sort of thing to explain to people who haven't been in the situation of 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 having to do stuff on stage when you're when you're you're not 100 percent sure yeah. in, in a couple of different ways but something like Brad brian's book launch there i was like oh and everyone's gonna be there and what am i gonna say and who am i gonna talk to and then i got there and i had an absolute fucking ball yeah yeah i got god i was made up to see everyone got on with everyone um, you know, but I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I, I'm not, and, and I think that's something which, again, with the territory of doing this, because what I do is different to what you do, it's different to what James does and Paul does markedly, it's it, it's it's got some similarities to what Paul Machen does and then Paul Gorse, it's different to what Jamie does, but I'm quite, like, with my people, and my people's, like, an ever sort of growing thing, I absolutely love it and adore it, and every now and again, you get put into one of these scenarios, like, Brian's book launch there and I was like oh, I'm not quite sure what to expect and as I say got there it was obviously at the Casa the, that's the artificial intelligence working for you there yeah, the yeah. whole thing was like completely uh, genuinely wonderful. we were on, we were on the table with, um, with 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 Steve Rotherham uh, you know everyone's in there Ian Burns in there yeah. uh, he's got a joke for me minute one so I've got to make sure I've got one back if not I'm in real trouble don't want to go in the back foot <laughs> um, you know, all I'd say is there's only one of us who was took an oath to a monarch. Um, whenever I see him, um, <laughs> there is the you know, and I agree with that. Uh, and amongst all of this, you know, you've got to you've got to make sure you you're on top of on on top of wh- where you are. But the spirit of Shankly stuff was as part of that really formative, really important. But also outside of those rooms, 
going and doing the marches, seeing people around. This is back to the idea of, of people wanting you to do well. Yeah. People were so supportive and so... Well, a few people weren't, but on the whole, people were so supportive. I'm, I'm glad you said that bit because I was going to say, it's easy now, isn't it? And I'm, maybe it isn't easy now because I see Spiritus Shankly can be criticised quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and what it stands for and what it has stood for. Yeah. But what was it like? Because obviously the big part of that in the pre-Twitter age was the media, the mainstream yeah. media and getting the attention and getting the focus. How how difficult was that? Video content was brilliant. Yeah. And Vinny's guy. So Vinny's yeah. guy, yeah. Got it. Understood exactly the what and the why. Um, you know, minute one and, you know, even to this day, whenever I see Vinny, um, you know, he's one of the greatest living Evertonians. It's it's fantastic to see him. Um, and, you know, I remember all that from back then and, you know, Gabriel Clark did something with us. Some people, a lot of, but a lot of people don't like it and I'm all right with people not liking it. Yeah. I, some people get quite precious about it and go, yeah, you should be coming and joining the march and all of that. Yeah. There's lots of people. I, is it that they don't like it, or is it that they don't want to, they don't want to commit until they see over the over the. No, I think there's the, a lot of people who just want to go to the match. Yeah, and I'm fine with that because it's not for me to say. People's lives are hard, and football's this brilliant release and relief, and it's not for me to say that this thing that you've got that you look forward to on a Saturday, you you should turn it into something political. I don't yeah. think you should have to do that. I think there is politics within football, and that I think there's politics in any large gathering of people. Uh, by a large gathering of people, I mean basically any number above 50, you know, but I think that there's there's politics in there that you can't escape, but you can choose not to engage in. And the majority of supporters do. Yeah. This is why, you know, whenever there's any conversation around the current Liverpool ownership, I think one of the, the things that's missed is precisely how difficult it was to go through the process of the previous lot. Yeah. And I, you know, and then sometimes what will really annoy me Online and there's very few things that annoy me online, but what will annoy me in terms of online sort of commentary is people acting like, "Well, you've done it before, you should be doing it now." Yeah. And what there isn't within that, I think, is an understanding as to firstly what it took, but secondly that that most people don't want to know and they don't want to do it. Yeah. Um. So you can think, oh well, there's just three thousand Liverpool supporters who, if the circumstances were right and if it suited them, bang it. But I just don't think that's true. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I think that there's there's moments and flare flashpoints that can happen. But without the flashpoints happening, there isn't the, the... It's such an effort of will because the truth of it is most people just want to go to football. Yeah. One of the things that I think people maybe don't realise as well, I've, I've, I've had a conversation with Jamie Kenner about this, is it does put your, your love of Liverpool in the firing line, doesn't it? If you're, if you're getting involved in taking, it, taking the club on, yeah. ostensibly, potentially falling out with people who, who are in it, potentially seeing things and hearing things that you don't like about the club and I'm sure well I, I know I have it in my job I know you yep. will have done in yours it, there'll be lots of lots of things that you don't like about it did that ever did that ever come into it that you you know you started to think you know what I, I, when, when all this is over whenever it is I don't know if I can be bothered going to you know that's part of why it wasn't just the club it was also just football so yeah, part of why by the time we get the start of 0809 I've you know I'm very much I'm no longer chair uh, and I'm I'm on the march. There was the march the day they beat United 2-1, uh, 08 09. Yeah. Uh, Carlton Babble score. Oh, and there was a march that morning. And I was on that march. And then, and I remember, I remember just being genuinely relieved. I didn't have to do anything else. That I'd done that bit. And I was happy to do yeah. that bit and be part of that bit and chat to people on that. But now the match is on and I'm watching the game. And then I'm out afterwards with my friends. Yeah. Genuinely. And it was a great night. I felt that one. Actually, I remember we went, we went back and John. I was watching match of the day laughing so much. Our faces hurt. Uh, after they went to one, I genuinely remember like waking up the next morning with sore cheeks uh, from too much laughing, 
and the the there is that sort of you know that is part of it but also it's not and i want to be really clear that whilst online tools are now a really important part of activism all forms of activism um they're not the end yeah. of activism yeah. there's so much other things that are required and again i think that's almost one of the things that's missed and i think that that's you know if, if people feel genuinely i'm stunned not i'm not stunned but i think there's a really salient point that when there was minor bits of people having a bit of grumpiness with the ownership um across the last couple of years one of the things that shocked me was no one offered to come in here in person and talk about it not one soul i didn't send anyone down and i wouldn't yeah if there was if there was a plan yeah, march, i had an idea yeah if there was a planned march and someone wanted to come in to explain why they were going to do a march against the, the current liverpool ownership and they asked to come on the anfield rap i would never say no yeah but they'd have to come no in no one did they'd have to come in they'd have to be face to face yeah um you know it'd have to be real yeah and and that no one ever did and i think that that's a i think it's a misjoin in all of this and this is where so there's another, there's another really. So we're doing this. I don't know when this is going to go out in the end, but we're doing this in the aftermath of the the uh, the United game. And there's loads of atmosphere chat uh, that suddenly come from nowhere. And the extent to which I'm desperate to scream, ignore the Mancunian bastards. They are shit staring. Have nothing to do. You give them an inch, they don't get beat. They don't get battered for once at Anfield, and they were all giving it the big one. And then what happens is now on social, loads of people take that basic kind of thing, and everyone's talking about it. The atmosphere was fine; yeah. it wasn't great, but it also first fifteen of both halves. Don't many great atmospheres in nil nil. No, and also the first fifteen to both halves, the atmosphere was massive. Then it was massive. I thought on about sixty-five when they filled the needs of the push, it was massive again on about eighty-five. But what happened was the dead, the ball then goes dead for a goal kick. The goal kick takes sixty seconds. Uh, football happens, mm. and then and it's sort of quite, quite, and then the, the ball goes up. The atmosphere is back again. But then the game goes sort of dead again for a minute. When it was end to end, the atmosphere was was yeah. up there. Come on, yeah. and then but the, the also I mean this is a separate point. But songs are overrated. Songs are a waste of time. What you want is roars and chants and noise. But anyway, but what's happened is that United of the the United people who were able to set an agenda both during and after a football match. I've seen an opportunity, jumped on it, and loads of people have take, took the bait on it, and they're completely wrong to take the bait on it. Take no notice of Mancunians as a word. I think that's dead interesting. You did Carragher, and I think at times Carragher is too fair to, yeah. to the non-Liverpool position, too fair. You give those Mancunians who worked under Ferguson a chance to stick the knife into Liverpool, they will stick it in at every single occasion. Every single occasion. And for years they've not been able to because they've been crap and we've been good. What's been there, they had just even a little hint of it and look at the two of them on the television, absolutely bold as brass. They were bold as brass. And Sturridge does a good enough job to say, wind your neck in a little bit, but it doesn't matter then an agenda's been set and then someone said something back in the mix zone and then that's gone over there and then suddenly there's now a think piece about was the atmosphere right? Because it's... And and, and that's a really good example of where you've all fucking fallen for it. Yeah. You've all fucking fell for it. You don't have to fall for it. You don't have to let them go go across that sort of way. What I mean so, is... So you think, you think that that becomes a thing on online about things like the ownership debate where people think it's a thing so let's talk about it and that's in, it's not necessarily that big and thing. It's, well, it's also not even real yeah there's, there's lots yeah. of things that end up being thing you know and i in general yeah. you know and I, and I don't want to do any more examples and I, I don't even necessarily even i don't always mean the ownership stuff in here but transfer stories yeah i think there's lots of things that aren't real and there's lots of certainly views political views that are or things that can be construed as political views that aren't real where someone's just throwing out some bait and then guess what? Loads of people, many of whom are well-intentioned, some of whom are my friends, 
we'll dive in and go, yeah, I'll have a bite of that. Yeah. But before you know where you are, you've created a frenzy. And then when you've created a frenzy, it feels like everyone's got to talk about it. Yeah. Everyone's got to talk about anything. Yeah. And the in that really limited example there, just take no notice of Mancunians. <laughs> take no notice. As a that, working principle. That could be the title of this. Well, yeah. As a, <laughs> episode. As a working principle, <laughs> take no notice of Mancunians. Yeah, like, if they've got, you know, and if they've got a good point, then it'll be getting made elsewhere by other people. You do not need to amplify them. You do not need to amplify them for a second. They do not act in good faith. And on the whole, one of my learnings from doing all of this right the way through to now, I haven't done it in the Spirit of Shankly stuff, which is a bit pre-internet, well, a bit, a bit pre-social media more accurately, through to the stuff now. Don't engage with anyone who's not engaging in good faith in the first place. Yeah. That's my genuine number one thing is don't engage with anyone. And I mean this full stop, everyone, every level of engagement, whether it's political, whether it's social. If you're not, if you're trying to speak to someone who we can say with, with reason is not acting in good faith in the first place, don't fucking talk to them. Yeah. It's yeah. a waste of your time and it's a waste of theirs. And you're just going to give them your credibility and you're going to get dragged down to their level. What's the point? A wise man, what's it, what's it, Jay-Z? Yeah, the, the wise man said don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. Yeah. There you go. Bit of bit of a bit of culture for you there. Bit of yep. pop culture. <laughs> um, I'm going to just finish up on Spirit of the Shankly. Yep. I want to get on to the Anfield rap and, and and the formation. But you you used the word monumental as in terms of what Spirit of the Shankly achieved and yeah. came. Just to give yeah, you a idea of what what what. So what the, you see Spirit of the well, influence. Away tickets would not currently be thirty quid if it wasn't Spirit yeah. of Shankly. Now the FSA are obviously a huge part of that as well, but there's. In, as, the, as is the case in lots of other bits to do with English football if Liverpool aren't engaged you don't get what you need so you've got to engage Liverpool and that's that's the reality of it and Spirit of Shankly became a really good vehicle to do that with you look now uh, with the work around the supporters club it's really important Spirit of Shankly is able to make sure it keeps one foot in and one foot out I think it's got to it's got to do that and that's going to be a little bit of a trick and it might take a bit of time to get that sorted I don't think it's easy or straightforward for everyone anyone involved and I'm glad I'm not what someone who's you know I've got enough on uh, I'm glad I'm not someone who's got to sort of try and tread that one a little bit with them but you just sort of think about the recognition and the credibility that the organisation's managed to have for itself which I think outstrips the recognition and the credibility of any other major supporter-based body with the exception of the FSA yeah. in the country I think it's absolutely enormous and then it's one of the misbeats we did one of the things that's most ever cost us subscriptions the Anfield Rap was when we live streamed um, stuff the day before uh, the seventy-seven pound walkout, yeah. and then the aftermath of the seventy-seven pound walkout. So we had walk off, walk out. So we had something with um, Graham from SOS, um, one of the lads from nineteen oh six, I think, and, and someone else in, and we made it work upstairs in motel. God knows how. I mean, we're, we're terrible at tech, which is ironic given the nature of the company. But but Heaton pulled it through, and we we made it work. And um, load, loads of American supporters didn't like so it. So that was January twenty sixteen. That was Sunderland game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, when... January February. Yeah, when when ticket price who was manager up to the uh, Jürgen was manager Jürgen was manager Jürgen was manager. Jürgen was manager. Jürgen was, but it was it was um, it, Jürgen wasn't there I don't think no he had appendicitis yeah convenient that one yeah yeah absolutely yeah but it, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a great side the manager walking out from seventy seven that's um, it's just it was just, it, I've never known honestly maybe it is luck maybe Jürgen Klopp is lucky by virtue of last minute Asian love and headers and timing of appendicitis attacks yeah. but it was uh, it was if 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 Jürgen did indeed have appendicitis. Yeah. Then his appendix is working with him, not even. He got lucky. So, where does the Anfield rap come from then? So, your 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 background is very spread. You know, you've yeah, done all these jobs you've had, but you've been in filmmaking, you've yeah. been in activism with, with supporters, yeah. you're the Liverpool supporter. Where does the job media come from, as in mm-hmm. Liverpool media? 
basically Gareth and Andy had the idea for it. And, Gareth uh, Roberts and, and he, yeah, yeah, Gareth. I'm sorry, Gareth and Andy had the idea for it, and and I was working in the India buildings, and I bumped into Andy because that's where his wife then worked, uh, and he said, "I'm doing this thing, and I want you to host it." And I said, "Yeah, all right." Because I trust Andy. <laughs> said, yeah, all right. Uh, but also, I thought, well, nothing's going to come. Uh, and I was doing something with the YNWA uh, forum, uh, a podcast for them over the phone. Uh, so I said, yeah, all right, to Andy, I'll do it, yeah. Um, and then I saw, he saw me about two week, three weeks later, and he said, that thing? I said, yeah, yeah, just let me know. And then I didn't hear from him for three months, so then I bumped into him again. He said, yeah, it's two weeks. <laughs> I said, all right, okay. Uh, and gave me the gist, and we had the conversation. So I had to sort of go to work at daft o'clock um, on a Monday to get to Par Street to do it. Yeah. Didn't meet Gareth. Because uh, Gareth was doing the no Gareth at this point no, no never never met Gareth as far as I knew with you know Andy from from, from Spirit of the yeah from yeah. two thousand and seven Julio in two thousand and seven um, and sort of seeing Andy on and off since then um, so yeah I just trusted Andy and turned up and I think the first we did a pilot which was with Chris Walsh um, and I think Jim um, was 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 present for that one I think one of the first two or three had Rory Smith. Yeah, I was on. I was on an early one in. Pan. You were on an early one, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like um, it was like we were doing a charity single. We were all just so around the big circle. Yeah, with the my first two or three words. But what happened was everyone really liked it. Yeah. So loads of people started to basically got onto Andy. Said he wanted to come yeah, and do it. Yeah. Andy couldn't say no to anyone. So we got to the point that we do an hour long podcast and we had ten people. And I always remember Steve Grave saying to me that because I got the only real person who I I I got Steve and John. Uh, involved um, that they both came to me and wanted to do because I knew Steve and John from from round the way and from different directions. Like I've got this mental map that we were all going out in town from 2002 to 2008, but we never didn't know each other. But yeah, it's like yeah, if you yeah. could follow the dots yeah. on nights out and that uh, all ends up on the back. Heat map, yeah, no, so, map, yeah. But anyway, a position by that point, didn't know Steve and John. So, so I got Steve and John involved. But I always remember Graves used to say to me. You know, you used to think you had to pass like your time. I got Akko's hosting it. We've got an hour. He's got ten. That means I'm going to speak for an average of six minutes. But I'm fucked because Gutman's on. <laughs> so whatever it is, I'm going to. Say, I've got to. Okay, I've got to reduce him, reduce it down to four maybe. And I spoke to Rob recently, and Rob said he remembers thinking when he was sitting around there. Right, I've got to go. I've got to be good here for me because I'm not. I don't know when I'm actually going to get to speak. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I've got to speak a lot, mate. <laughs> it like, oh, yeah, it wasn't you that needed to worry about that. <laughs> Uh, and then, but yeah, they'll all be sat, sat around, and there was loads and loads of people came and got got into it, and you know it becomes a different thing. So, live, yeah. Pers- I th- I think because we used to it now a little bit, aren't we? I, I, listen, I, you know, I get asked to do a lot of podcasts, yeah. and emerging podcasts. I always say to them, I'll, I'll always do one, yeah. And if I like it, I'll do. I'll think about doing more. But there's a lot of them emerging. There wasn't at that point. No. Obviously, there was not. But what? really helped you guys I think one I'm going to ask who who done the name because I remember the, the Twitter accounts appearing and thinking oh, I don't know oh, it was one of them any of Andy Ian and Gareth may well have come up with the name um, I'm not Zach quite sure which of them yeah I'm not quite sure which of them it was actually I should probably know that I've probably been told but I don't know what yeah. the answer is now and the other thing is obviously I the, the first the one I don't know what episode I was on but it was very it was definitely it was in Parshate and there was a yeah. lot of people in there but one of them was Ian Brody from the Light yeah. Seeds you had Rafa Benitez on yeah. early do you have a player on? Do you have Diddy Haman on? Diddy Haman came in. Early on? Yeah. I, I, that, that's huge, isn't it, in terms of, you know, it, it, that visibility and credibility. But it says was the was the big one. Yeah. Because Rafa, by that point, you know, there's been, I mean, there's been Hodgson only, and there was then Dalglish's manager since since Rafa hadn't come in. So, so I should say this is this is um, 20, autumn 2011. Yeah, autumn 2011, and Rafa comes in, and it was great. 
he was he was really good. Uh, it was a real shock uh, because we didn't tell anyone. Me and Andy knew, and Andy was bringing him in um, uh, during the show when we recorded. Everyone being stunned, it was Rafa, and then he was really good on the show, and he was great afterwards as well. Uh, and I think I'd go on and interview Benitez on another couple of occasions, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I mean, try and tell him he got his European Cup final team wrong in two thousand and seven. That's a laugh. Yeah, you, you told me that. That's right. Yeah. Um, I knew that when it was 3 0 half times. No, 2007. Oh, so, so right. 2007. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and he, he very patiently explained to me why I was wrong. Uh, there, is, um, <laughs> there is, you know, but no, that moment, and I think it was a real sort of, it obviously grabs attention and all yeah. of that. And that's, you know, that's part of what you want, but you also want, want to get to do it. For me, the biggest thing was in person. Yeah. There's two things that are really important. Uh, but for me, I'll come on to the second one in a minute in terms of where we are now. For me, the biggest thing was in person because everyone was trying to do stuff and it was all remote. And I think even, you know, going sort of six, seven years on, and even now there's there's a, there's a wide number of podcasts. And I think it's better now, obviously, because the technology is better. People yeah. are more used to it. People understand the rapport. It's not always, you know, I, I do still do a couple of shows quite regularly on Zoom. Um, the pandemic happened, you know, it's yeah. different yeah. now. But I still think there's nothing quite right, quite like I agree. The, the same room. I agree. Uh, yeah, and I think everyone who does it agrees, you know, and I think that some people are fortunate and they're able to and some people aren't. And the other past street thing was, it was one set of microphones and there was 10 people around it, but Andy had the proper sound engineer. Yeah. And Rich Turvey was really important, you know, and and he made it sound. So who was the original team? I think the the the, 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 the people of the Anfield Raft, what was the original? The, it, was, the, it was the four, it was Andy, uh, Ian Maloney. Gareth and uh, and Jim Baldwin. Jim Baldwin. Yeah, they were the four who were, who, who were pushing out there for yeah. the first for the first uh, sort of year or so, and then we began to sort of shift and change because the next thing that becomes really important um, was the radio show. Yeah, that was in loads of ways. First and foremost, Radio City. Radio City. Yeah. So Steve Hothersall, listen yeah. to what we do. Really liked it, and Steve basically created a slot for us. Uh, I'd be the nicest guy in media, Steve. He's incredible. No, he's incredible. I, I think he's not. I think he's really shrewd as well. I don't think it's just, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, he's not pushover. He's not pushover. Yeah. No, he's not pushover. He's switched on. Uh, he's got a really, really good brain in a number of different ways. And he saw that there was this thing. And that's what, for me, anyway, that's what changed it. Because to go back to bits and pieces of where we started, suddenly, suddenly it was getting to do the radio. Yeah. And then the next step of the radio is we shift from it being a recorded show to it being a live show. Yeah. And it was the most fun I have ever had in my life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love live radio. I love live radio. Like the one. I mean, no. Let's be let's be clear about this. I'm, um, uh, you know, I've nearly had a cry once during this, and I'm a man who's tinged constantly with regret and remorse. So I'm not going to say my one regret. I'm filled with them. I've got that lie awake at night and think of the thousands of them. But my biggest sort of thing that I wish I could do that I don't currently get to do is live radio. Yeah, I love it. I like, yeah. It's hard to put into words why and how I love it. I, like I love it in an awesome Wells way, which is remarkably pretentious. I love it in a the, the getting to do the direct speaking sort of way. We used to play with the form so much because the other thing that happens in the radio period is John happens. So John was doing shows with us. John brought jokes and an energy that no one else had brought really up to that point. But then me and John get to start to do the live radio. Yeah, and that is an energy which I just think. You know, we did the live show in Bray and we did this live radio thing together. And that was, it was just game changing for me. Yeah. And then it sort of, it gave me this person to bounce off. And then within that as well, Steve was so important too, because Steve was 
was, you know, he was doing his work with the Echo, and that meant he couldn't be as involved for a variety of reasons. But Steve was really, really important as well. Steve Graves, yeah, Steve Graves. In terms of, in terms of the fact that Steve also just got it. So Steve, you know, he doesn't come over as gregarious a personality as John. I mean, very few people do when you put him in that setting. But Steve was again had that sort of rambunctious energy of, hang on, they've given us this hour to play with. I've got ideas. What can we do? I've got other friends in other bits. You know, it's really interesting. My old friend John Furlong. Uh, John was always full of ideas of things that you could do, and then this thing happens where we get this live radio slot. And I've, what I've got in my head is I want it to be the best thing on the radio. I don't want it to be the best thing on football radio. I don't think the best thing on Radio City. I want it to be the best thing on the radio, all the radio. Yeah. We're at five PM on a Friday, so we've got to be better than PM on Radio Four. That's the aim. That's the bar. Got to be better than Radio Four. And then loads of times we were. And it's hard, like it's now again. It's not as similar to the thing when you were saying, you know, the shock at the 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 Saddam Hussein parallel. The like they did things for us, like they did th- things happen, like uh, the Suarez report into the bite on Ivanovic is released at four p.m. on a Friday, and we're on at five. Oh my god! <laughs> there's there's something else that occurred to me today, and 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 the fellow's passed away, which can make this seem a little bit grisly, and it's not meant to be. But in the early part of the internet, there was loads of weird rows between long-standing legacy journalists and, and newer younger people and there was that re- there was a really weird row online between Ian McGarry and Ed Malian um, and Ed now I mean Ed's left to the position but he was the editor of The Athletic so to think of that now and think of where we are now yeah. but we're on the radio so we did a thing because one of the things it turns into was Ian McGarry saying well I don't know what you were doing last night but I was having dinner with Didier Drogba so we got loads of people including Rory Smith to, we rang them up and asked them what they did last night and they said what they did and they talked about it and we went, well, it's not as good as what Ian McGarry was doing. He was having dinner with the DH Rob. And then we got the next one on and the next one on and the next one on. So that we took the joke Just, to yeah, yeah, yeah. absurd levels. And I think Ed was almost embarrassed by it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Ed was probably like, oh, I just could do this going away. I'm trying to have a career yeah. here. And we just didn't care. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we just hammered that joke, hammered this, hammered that. Genuinely, we used to do black traffic. Uh, it's, it's a nightmare on the strand. <laughs> just, I mean, just, that's not yeah, blind traffic, is it? That's because it would have been... And he wasn't able to see from the radio. Exactly, that's not what we used to do. And, all that. and we just had this space and this thing. But what it did was, and I think it still informs what we do now, and why I think, you know, and I, I will always back us to the hills, but why I think we're the best at what we do is because having done Radio City, you know, how to start, how to come into a break, how to come out yeah. of a break, meetings with Hoddersall where he'd say, try more of this. He'd never say, don't do the weird stuff. You know, but try more of that. This. That's really interesting because I one of the questions I was going to ask you was presenter. So Andy Heaton calls you in the India building because yeah. I want you to present. Why? Why does he want you to present? And why we? I my assumption was that it was natural to you to do it, but obviously you've had some guidance along. Yeah, no, no. I, so why, why, why was presenting for you? Because I did the I did the media and the the the, the public speaking stuff around spiritual. Exactly. Why did you do that? Um, because Andy asked me to. Yeah. Just, I, I, but you're obviously good at it. Yeah, yeah. And I've, 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 I thought you would be good at it. Yeah, you would be better than someone. I was good at it at school, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think he, he he thought that I could do that and and was right. But genuinely, the answer is sort of because Andy asked me to. And then, but then again, you know, going and doing it on my birthday in 2000, I'm going to say 2008, I did something on the World Service, went down to London to do it. Again, loved it because it was live radio. Uh, Adam Mealy's got a great joke about that, that there's like, you know, there's fellas spread across Egypt going, I like the sound of these. Spirit of Shankly people. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were on uh, on the World Service and stuff like that. But I yeah, no, I that that's when and that's why radio's perfect because it's not it is still in a room with friends. You know, it's not 
loads and loads of people. And as I say, I've now spoken in front of loads and loads of people, and I've spoken in front of people in the past. I just see it as a different thing. Yeah. Whereas having the discipline to do the presenting and simultaneously have the ability to communicate the intimacy of this is these are people who are getting on with each other, yeah. talking to each other. That's the trick. Yeah. And then by the time we reach the point where we're going to do the Anfield rap as a professional thing in 2015, um, I've got loads of experience of this. Loads of our regular contributors have actually got lots of experience of this, more than is sort of normal. Um, and then from there, there like I, when we made the move to to do more podcasts and to pay more them, and by that point, this point, I have met Gareth uh, in person, and we got on ever so well. Um, and there was there was this feeling of that we could do this. The making that move becomes I've got. I've got more guests to, to go back to the big room. I've got more guests than I know what to do with. Yeah. More people who want to speak than I know what to do with. They're all different personalities. Yeah, types. Yeah, they're all yeah. different people. Slice, different shows slice, will suit them. Slice them up, yeah. Slice them up. Different shows will suit them. This guy will be good at this. This person will be good at this. This woman will be good at this. This will work this way. This is how this, this is going to be. And that, having all of that, but also where, I'm, you know, I still now, we still put new people on all the time, but where from sort of day one, knowing I've got 25 here, if I do twelve shows, these do that. This yeah, is the way yeah. it spreads. This will work. Yeah, and I can trust their competence. Yeah, and also not just their competence, the quality. You know, and and this is back to the believing in people part and loving people, which you know is the cornerstone of of everything. Really, like I just think, I just think normal people are good at things. It's and 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 I think that that I don't think it is a special gift or anything like that. I think finding the opportunity for people to be able to showcase what they can be good at. And I've got this very sort of specific way to do it, but other people come in now with everything we do and do different bits. But for me it's, you know, it's what it's what it's what the world built on, it's what cities are built on, it's what this city's built on. Did a show recently, um Alphabet Soup, talked about Joe Fagan. Joe Fagan's just a normal person. Yeah. Bob Paisley's just a normal person. Yeah. But Bill Shankley's just a normal person. And Bill is now, you know, in the way in which everyone conceives of Yeah. But he's just a normal person who ends up with a couple of opportunities that he absolutely makes the most of. And then he creates a circumstance where Bob Paisley steps in yeah. and makes the most of his incredible ability. And then he's the, you know, one of the greatest football managers in the world ever. And he comes from Hetton La Holland when you go up there for an away, the mayor gives a speech. Yeah. Because they're so proud of him. But he's just a normal person. And I think within that, Joe Fagan, you know, the same thing applies. Ronnie Moran, the same thing applies. You keep going through this. One of one of the things I love about this club. And love about the whole sort of conversation, but it, I think it goes for football full stop. Is that what football's been really good at? Is it's created pathways for people who are inherently grounded, normal people to show that they're capable of extraordinary things. Yeah. And in a very small way, nowhere near as grandiose as quite literally being the bedrock on which modern Liverpool is built in terms of in Central Shankly. But I like to think that we're in a position to be able to do the same thing with people who come in and do bits and pieces around work experience, people who come in and contribute to shows. Some people contribute to shows simply because they enjoy it. Some do it because it will be could be a pathway for them. Some do it to find out if they can do it, yeah. test themselves, yeah. you know, run the ropes a little bit, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I, I believe I believe in people, like, you know, and it's, it's, it's the one sort of constant all the way through. I firstly believe in people, and I think people want the best for each other. I think those two things are the truth. And people's ability and their ability to want the best for each other gets beaten out of them by life. Yeah. And they get told not to believe in themselves and they get told that the you know that, that selfishness is the better way or that, 
you know, just don't care about that. You know, you know, all that sort of stuff happens to people as they go through life. And and I, again, I think that's a perfectly human thing to have happen to people. But you've got to try and find the way for yourself to rise above it and, and, and showcase and find ways to be the best version of yourself on the one hand, but then also still want that warmth for other people that you want to see them do well. You want to see them find their way to be the best per, best version of themselves. And I had loads of those people. And it's a really mad thing to think now. I had loads of them. I had 20, 25 of them. And I just thought there's so much that can be done with this and with the right support and the right people that are the right guidance for me. It's where people like Wayne have been important for me as well in terms of being able to think through a business Wayne's around Wayne's goals. Yeah, be able to think through a business around it. Yeah. And really important to help me sort of clarify that this is a business. Rob as well in that regards, you know, really important to help you sort of work out how because it needs to function. Yeah. It can't, and this is the bit of my job that some people would think, firstly, it's a bit mad that it has this bit or anything like that, but you need to have a framework. Someone's got to be able to fill the forms and someone's got to be able to do the payroll. Yeah. Someone's got to be able to to make all of that work for you on an ongoing basis. Someone's got to be able to do the marketing. Yeah. Someone's got to come in and be really good on social media. We've got Ash right now filming this. You know, Ash is the absolute business of working out how to take something that could just be a bit of a dead shot and pump it up yeah. in all circumstances and give it life. Someone's got to do that because you can't do it all yourself. You need that support, but if you need that, you need the framework, and if you need that, you need that to work. So take me to twenty fifteen, then when you, you yeah go, right, we're going in, we're going all in on this. Twenty fourteen's better. The reason why twenty fourteen's better is because I so I I, I got I took voluntary redundancy from my job um, in order to go and shoot a feature film. So the Anfield app's going really really well in a few regards. Like the podcasts are doing brilliantly. I come back from the feature film and I just haven't got a job now. Um, so there's post production work to do on the film that I'm doing some of. I worked really closely. So Danny was um, Danny shot directed the film. I wrote it with him and his dad Jim and Jen Handorf um, co-produced with me. Um, and I learned loads from Jim and Jen. It's strange, really. Danny was sort of off having to do his, his director thing, and he's brilliant with actors. And I got to sort of watch that from afar and admire it. But you know, in different ways between me, Jim and Jen, this is the back to the idea of who's keeping the lights on, who's making this work yeah. project. I made a complete mess of a VAT inspection. I always remember Jim will like, laugh his head off about. But again, you learn from these things. But the other thing that you learn from is that someone like Jim doesn't get angry with me. He bursts out laughing and says, yeah. well, I'll just fix this. And then we just fix it. Um, and all these people, again, add to the sum total of who you are. So I come back and I'm doing bits and pieces with Paul Cope. He's doing Predictor 6 and I'm sort of helping him with that. Copey uh, in there as well. Uh, I, I go strike for Rodney Marsh. Isn't that mad? No one knows that. Uh, yeah, that's really mad. Yeah. I'm Rodney on the phone. Get on really well with him. I'm actually doing serious with him in a couple of days, and I get on really well with him. I like him a lot. We have a good laugh. I've done a few shows with Rodney. Yeah, um, and yeah, you know the, the madness of your life. You wouldn't think this would be coming. Uh, just talking to Rodney Marsh about Harry Kane is is is, is genuinely with no messing around in education. That's what we were doing in 2015 because we were talking about goal scorers for this thing with Cope and doing all that. And but what basically this this Anfield rap thing's working, and but it's like what you're going to do? How's it going to work? What's the move? And I ultimately sort of thought just give them podcasts. They want podcasts, just give them podcasts. And that the sentence is as simple as that. They want podcasts, let's give them podcasts. So we find a way to do it. Ian builds a back end for us, does brilliantly on that, given the resources that he didn't have. Um and you know, that still is a thing. The Anfield Rap is an e commerce company theoretically, but we're we're not experts at e commerce, but everyone does the best. Um and we, we, we push ourselves through and we launch it for free first week of March. Um, and in 2015, and we start to paywall all the new content. Uh, we picked the Monday after the FA Cup semi final because Liverpool are bound to win. Uh, that's the fifth. <laughs> um, 
Yep. Um, and we do that. And then there's something else that we're doing in the background. So Gareth leaves his job to look after it full time. John's in the process of sort of exiting from his. But me and Gareth go and basically do a load of work on on the Heysel Stadium disaster. Yeah. Um, which is still amongst the things I'm, I'm proudest of. 30th anniversary, yeah. wasn't it, in 2015? It's still amongst the things I'm proudest of. We, we, we went and interviewed a load of people. We met Jeff Pearson. Um, we got loads of documents from him in Manchester. Jeff was great. Uh, me and Gareth just absolutely... In, in between doing these podcasts, I haven't got a job. Samantha is supporting me. Um, we begin to get some money through from the from the from the bits and pieces of of the early subscriptions that come in strong. By the way, I don't want to act like they didn't. Yeah. People came in quick, and it was it was so important that that's, they that's did. Massive. Yeah, yeah, it was just it it was it was just diving into the unknown. Yeah. and then by the end of the week, knowing if nothing else, we're going to be all right. Mm. We might not be flying, but we're going to be all right. I mean, Gareth go away and we do the Heisel stuff and we do some podcasts around, a couple, a couple of podcasts around that, loads of interviews, bits and pieces, get Italian people involved. And it genuinely is one of the things I'm proudest of, but also it straight away gave me a sense of, right, this is what we can do. This is what, if if we can devote full-time energy yeah. to this, this is what we can do. Yeah. And also, not everything that we do or have to do needs to, needs to revolve around the idea of the bottom line. As long as we're secure, not everything's always got to be about the bottom line. And... It's quite an early sort of window into. I sometimes laugh and when I do talks about what it is we do and all of that. Like you think you run a podcast company and then you realise you wake up one day and it's a bit of a civic institution, and that again can sound really self-aggrandizing and 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 and, and almost you know a bit pretentious, but it, it, it's not. Like people come to us all the time. Can you support on this? Can you put the word out about this? Can yeah. you do this? Can you do this? And it's why it's got to be here now, you know. And it's not again that can sound like so. Like, there's other companies and I don't really want to name them, but it doesn't take much of a guess. Uh, that have been in a similar space to us in a national way. And what I'm always intrigued is you'll sometimes read that they've brought on 140 new employees and then 18 months later you'll see that they'll let 160 people go. Yeah. And and I'm fine with that. Like That's literally how capitalism works. If you want to take those chances, that's fine. But that's not what I'm doing. Uh, first and foremost, because we've got a crew of people that we like a great deal um, and I never want to have a workplace that feels as though it's competitive. If you see what I mean, yeah. I don't want that idea of people looking over the shoulder. But also, what I never want to do is is risk the ongoing functionality of all of this. Now that, and we'll get into the regrets and the recriminations and the line awake at night, that's a double-edged sword, because what I don't want to do either, do you go to the cinema? Occasionally. Yeah, so I one of my first dips into the online world was to have loads and loads of rows with people on the forum for Picture House at Fact. Okay. okay. I've been there. I've been there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know there would be a forum, but yeah. There was a forum and I used to have rows on it. Um and the reason why I'd have rows on it was because Picture House of Fact never used to screen that many art house films. Uh obscure films, left field films, foreign films. It would so Picture House Picture Houses and I so I apologize to people at Picture House if I misrepresent them. Picture houses across the country, you go to the Cambridge one, it will be screening two or three films that you couldn't get yeah. outside of London, but you come to Liverpool and show Harry Potter. Yeah. And but Harry Potter's on at the Odeon. Yeah. And my arguments and my irritation and the thing I lie awake at night worrying about with the on-field rap on what on the one hand is my irritation with Picture House of Fact was that when, for instance, a film to go back years like Senna, great film. Yeah. But it's a documentary, it's a bit of an art house film, yeah. and it's a hit, and everyone goes to fact to watch it. Yeah. But they're also showing Harry Potter. If there was an art house cinema and it was showing Senna, 
it wouldn't do the numbers that fact picture house of facts doing they're occupying the space yeah but something like that pays for your year when there's only eight people in watching this hungarian film yeah what i never want the anfield have to do and i do worry about it and i said before about for instance people coming in if they don't like the ownership and stuff like that i don't want us to occupy the space like i want there to be upstarts and i worry about this i worry about it a hell of a lot genuinely because because for me you know fresh voices are so important to a culture yeah you've got to continually have freshness you've got to have newness you've got to have regeneration i worry i don't want to be i've felt in the past like my pathways being blocked by people both in the film world bits and pieces in the liverpool world i felt like i, I you old man and i am now 42 you old man you are occupying the space that i could fill and i i don't want to be a space occupier but we have what we do i think is really really important and i want to continue to do it to the best of our ability and how do you square that circle and genuinely i do you know i'm glad ash is here ash gets to hear this because you can also nod at you and say that it's true i do sort of sit up at night and i do think about this and ponder this question and how this works and what it is that we actually think we're doing and what the sense of purpose is because this stuff this stuff is is the lifeblood of communities and this stuff matters you don't want to you don't want to be blocking people's pathways you do not want to be doing that in any sort of way i haven't got an answer to this yeah. i'm still i'm just a fellow talking right now but you're just hearing my inner monologue so it's a tough question i'm sure you will have the answer <laughs> why does it work why does the unfeel rat work because the contributors because the people because so we've got on the wall in the office you've seen it it says telling the story of supporting liverpool from the heart of the city yeah. and that's what we want to do. But very, you find that's the biggest thing, right? Because you obviously have just been on a North American deal yeah. recently. I, I, I think American fans in particular. I think, I think it's the city as well as the club, yep. isn't it? It's, yeah. it's Liverpool as well as the club. Yeah. No, no, that's no, that's not. I don't think that's a bit thing. I think that's a massive thing. The, 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 the line I've used and and in the end was was plagiarised by the manager is that Liverpool supporters are journey hunters, not glory hunters. Liverpool don't want a major trophy between two thousand and six. Through to 2019, yeah, a major trophy. Yeah, well, the league, league. Cup, no, I'm, I'm right. The league cup is not a major trophy. I apologise to all the yeah. people at the AFL. Yeah, I play West Ham tomorrow. Just as we've yeah, yeah. So, but, but I, don't, I hope they win. I hope yeah, they win. Huge game. Uh, I hope they win. But I'm gonna, you know, and, and even the FA Cup, you could say that's not a major trophy anymore if you wanted to. But anyway, 2006 until 2019, 2019, they don't win a major trophy, but still they are the second, and I would argue in real terms, the most supported English club on the planet in that i think that also when i go to the us one of the things i see is the support notion is active yeah it's a verb whereas i think that there's other cla- classes of support that are more passive but abroad i think liverpool has an unbelievably active supporter base it's got active supporters clubs that people actively go to with the bars meet Go from there, all those bits and pieces. There was you were I think you were over in the US for it in twenty uh the Ann Arbor game. Yeah, yeah. Um one of the things I noticed, I walked all the way around the stadium before, and not least because there's nothing that gets me more lost than an American stadium. But I walked all the way around the stadium beforehand and Big House in Michigan, which is yeah. hundred and fifteen thousand. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And it was Liverpool playing Man United. Yeah. And loads of the Man United supporters were in ones and twos, and loads of Liverpool supporters were in groups of big ones. Yeah. And there was possibly more Man United supporters there. If you were to add them all up, there was possibly more Man United supporters. But there was endless numbers of groups yeah. of Liverpool supporters sitting around with each other in huge number. Community. Yeah. Community aspects. Yeah. And I think that's a massive part of it. And I think that stems from 
a view of the city. And I think one of the things that the club's got right in the last five years, now more because we forget the pandemic, so it's probably seven years, is that they've centred the notion of the city in amongst a lot of what they put out yeah. as in inverted commas marketing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's just marketing. I think it's to do with the brand, and I think they've understood that this whole thing only works if we all win together and we all lose together. And I think they've genuinely got that. And I think that's to enormous credit to to Peter Moore and Billy Hogan, along with the ever living genius of Jurgen Klopp. I think that they've got that and yeah. they've, they've really understood it. And for what we do, what we offer people, what we want to offer people is a slice of the city. Yeah. That's what we want to go out and give them um, when they're listening to what we do. It's not just the football. The football obviously underpins it. Yeah. There's loads of reasons why you don't do post match. You don't do a post match show in the Glen Book, yeah. But we do a post match show in the Glen Book because it's loud. Because yeah. if you've ever been to a yeah, if you've ever been to a match, if you haven't been to a match, you've gone for a, for a pint after that match. This is what it sounds like. One of my favourites ever post match pints we did uh, was after um, the Storage equaliser against Chelsea. Yeah, I don't know about well the people watching this or you. I often don't get to watch the match with that many of my mates. If I'm in the ground, I'm on my own. I might occasionally have someone next to me and I go, I want the people behind me. Yeah. I also, you know, ways you can be a bit split up. You can be with a few. Really weirdly, it happened recently at the Red Lion for the, the win against Palace and it happened that day at the Heads of Steam. Practically everyone I'd ever met was in the Heads of Steam, in the back of the Heads of Steam. You know, it was like a win. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and then Sturridge scores the goal and it all goes mad. But we did, we shot a post-match pint afterwards and it was bedlam behind it. Yeah. Like to the point of, you know, you, you, there's probably about three or four sets of images that you'd have to explain yeah. to people you know for it to work and it was just incredible because you're saying this is what it looks like this is the, yeah. this is the way the city is yeah. and that, that's the story that i want you to get i want you to know that this is this is this place that you think about when you think about liverpool you're not just thinking about what mo's gonna do you're thinking about all yes yeah. yeah and i think that that's really important and i think that that's so embedded in all the steps of the supporter culture that you've seen that people buying into that's the most important thing and us being able to wrap that up a little bit and give it back to them I think is and give them the, the, either what they've missed or what they've even enjoyed loads of people who go to the game subscribe to what we do and they like that idea of what they've had some people now they might be you know 45 they've got kids they've got to get straight off after the match but I get, to, I get to listen to you lads yeah yeah and go from there what what about the the crossover then I mentioned obviously the, the credibility thing of the early podcast having yeah. guests on You've had you've had the biggest guests on yep. on shows like this or shows like you know abroad or live shows. Yeah. Do you have any concerns about that? That you sort of you, you you're spreading yourself thin, or you're, you're changing you're changing away from what maybe people were first attracted to, or is it all about evolution? Is it all about sort of you know giving them trying to do everything? Basically, this is this is what's possible. We can do it. We can do it all. I think we can do it all. I mean, within reason, I think we can do it all. You know, you think about so we've done the the clock documentaries yeah. absolutely incredible it's a great achievement we did it entirely independently yeah um we asked people if they contributed they contributed it was as simple as that we never had anyone's backing at all including the subject of the documentary which i think is a bit of a moody thing in sports documentaries these days and we'll say that everywhere i go i think that they should be independent of the subject because i think there is an authenticity question there that matters uh What's brilliant about the subject of that documentary, Jurgen Klopp, is that no one's got a bad word to say about him <laughs> because of the nature of the yeah. person he is. Yeah. Um, but there is still, you know, we did that, and that's a remarkable piece of work. Fuad, brilliant. Jordan, brilliant. Ash shot massive chunks of it with them in Germany, brilliant. You know, the look and feel of it's terrific. So proud of everyone that's involved in it. Um, and again, that idea of being able to give people the ability to, to show what they're capable of, spread the wings um, as much as we can. Uh, all of that's great. 
And then the other week we did a live post-match pint um, after Crystal Palace upstairs in the Red Lion where at one point I get jumped on by Kevin John because we just beat Crystal Palace uh, last minute winner, well not late winner, yeah. Harvey Elliott. Um, Rob's, you know, three sheets to the wind. There's an unhealthy amount of alcohol on the table. Um, but that's the essence of what people were doing after Liverpool beat Crystal Palace. Yeah. You can do both. We can have, um, you know, the excellence of Amelia Bonner turning up and getting to present shows in the way in which she wants to do it and lead on it her way. We can have uh, Ian Ryan come and do it the way in which he wants to do it. Yeah. We get to do stuff like AFQ every single week. We could do more of it. We could do less. We do the amount that we do. You know, the idea that there's anything sanitised about what we do isn't the case. Yeah. People get to give what is their, you know, complete unvarnished opinions. This is back to the idea of occupying the space. You know, I, I worry. I, I, I don't want... Ultimately, I think there's a legitimate, a legitimate point to be made that organizations do end up with little bits and pieces of, of a group think and you've got to you've got to try and guard against that as much as possible um it will always happen but then other people therefore need to act as the corrective yeah and you yourself need to be aware of it and do the best that you can and that again this is back to my sort of my many far too in-depth line awake thinking about what it is that we're doing and the why is you know are we getting that right are we getting striking that balance correctly but I think you do it through the breadth of the content. What I'm sometimes frustrated with when we get some criticism from outside, and I'm not frustrated with those people themselves that often particularly, but what I'm sometimes frustrated with is, obviously because some of the shows are paywalled, if you are choosing not to subscribe, you might ha not hear the show where someone gets stuck into X. Yes, yeah, yeah. And therefore you might go, well, no one ever talks about you name it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I understand that people end up there, but, and I also... But I worry the flip side is that I don't want... So, for instance, I think there's a massive regulatory issue with football. I don't think the state should be allowed to buy football clubs. And there's a bit in my brain that basically just wants to make every show at the minute be about the PSR issues that Everton have got, combined with Manchester City, combined with Newcastle. There's a bit in me that really wants to do that. Yeah. I genuinely, because I think it's it's a core thing for football. But I have to sort of go, no, I do these things where I, I chat to Rory or Jonathan Lewis or Ken Early, uh, and I'll go and do it over there. And I'll not kettle everyone's head with it all the time because yeah. go back some people just want to watch football yeah similarly some people just want to hear about the good stuff that Liverpool are doing either the team or off the pitch some people want to have the laugh they want to have the jokes so you've got to at times you've almost got to curb your own natural inclination in you know I I want to talk about the game but I want to talk about the game in a, in a, in a wider sense I am aware you know I had murder it's now about 18 months ago with someone from the BBC podcast because they edited what I said about Man City and I don't get us back after that yeah don't get, back, don't get us back. It was off air. They, 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 they put it out, but they put it out and they edited me. So I had to go back and say, well, the way you've edited me there is completely misrepresents what I've said. Don't get us back. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about wanting to do live radio. Five live on, kicking my door down. Yeah. Um, and I'm all right with it. You know, I'm genuinely, this isn't like a, this isn't like a play or saying, you know, but doing this, you know, I think I'm really good at what I do. I think I talk about the game in general really well. I think I've got a real awareness and respect for other clubs. Um, no one asked me to go and do anything on any of the clubs. Yeah. No one asked I think, of everyone who I've... I think there's lots of people who write about football who have no sense as to what... Firstly, the danger that's been posed to the game, but also the way regulation works and, or could work. And there's loads of people who are literally paid to write about football who I think don't know what they're talking about in this, genuinely, and I think I do. No one asked me to write about it or talk about it. Yeah. 
but because the reason one of the reasons why is because I'm the fellow who does Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, I think that that there's a likely explanation. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's and I'm not you know as I say I'm not I'm not unbelievably wounded by that. And but the flip side of that is to go back to I'd love to have two hours on Five Live, yeah. like I talked about listening to Danny Baker growing up before and Mark Radcliffe and people like that. It's never going to happen. Yeah, and. But I get to do all this. Yeah. I get to... I was kicking around today, me and you do press conference extra. And we've not been doing them before the League Cup. And he said some interesting stuff in the press conference. Uh-huh. And I was a bit like, maybe Neil comes in across, comes to do a show, or maybe I can grab John later on. We can just do a little 20 minutes. And we can just do that before we shot uh, a video for um, for, a, for a girl who emailed to say uh, she wanted to we'll do a video for her dad for Christmas. Uh, to say happy Christmas from her. Uh, so we shot that. So the flip side of it is... You get to do that. You do everything. You just get to choose, or you get to sort yeah. of you get to define. You have got that complete freedom on the one hand, but on the other hand, it does come at a at a cost. It does come at a price, and then it, there is the worrying about whether or not you know have you got enough plurality of views. I would love more people to call that. I would love more women coming and doing our shows. I really would, uh, because those people are Liverpool supporters um, or can be Liverpool supporters as well, and we try to do what we can around that. But it, they've obviously also got to be good on the shows. You know yeah. what I mean? Because we're, we're putting something out there, but we can. We work with people on that. I want that. But then I want more, you know, I want more 20-year-old lads who've been going for five years to be the best five years of their lives. I want them coming and doing it as well. Um, you know, I want everyone. Yeah. You know, I want everyone uh, to come and to come and be able to to, to use use the facility, really, in a way. Um, I think it's... Thanks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, it's, that, that's, that's what I want, you know, and that's what we can have. Um, we can give everyone that opportunity to be the best version of themselves if we keep working and keep trying. I was going to say, I mean, so... You, you start off there and, you know, not dissimilar to an experience I had myself this year in terms of change of career, yeah. jump into the unknown a little bit. That's 2014, 15. Yeah. 2023, 2024, we're at now. You're here in the, in the heart of the city. How many employees? How many? How many pay? 12. 12 employees. How many shows go out a week? Uh, approximately 14 audio, 10 video. There you go. So you're in that position... I will ask you the subscribers, but plenty yeah. of subscribers are living yeah. for, for, for these people. Do you, when when do you take that time? Do you take that time to sort of go, tell you what, it's been a, been a bit of a ride this time. No, that's why I don't do this sort of thing. Yeah. Crap at that. Um, and I should in a number. Is that, dame, is that because is that because you just don't do it or do you think it's it's not a good thing to do sometimes to, to, to do that because you can you can sort of become celebratory or you can become complacent or whatever it's not a good thing for me I think different people need different things at different times and sometimes we can be a bit shit here internally uh, remembering the wins I do feel that sometimes but that's because I'm not a like I'm I'm Ronnie Moran with the medals (laughs) oh yeah yeah take one if you think you've earned it I'm I'm like you've got to get the paper out tomorrow yeah and that's you know that genuinely at times I'm too much like that and I know that and I've got to think about that and Emma who came in in 2017 as our head of operations and is so important to a lot of what we do. Yeah. You've been to see yeah. her around the place. You know, she's, she's incredible. Craig's incredible. Um, and they they sort of pull me up on that from time to time. Um, that also for you, yourself, you should do that, but I'm not good at it really. Yeah. I don't want to, I'm not that guy. And why I do find this stuff quite hard is because, you know, so there's, there's this thing your mother asks me um, from time, are you happy? <laughs> and there's what, things I want to say to her like, Joan, I've been so happy. Like, I feel yeah. I've had, like, unhuman levels of joy. Yeah. You know, I've 
did the mad thing in Madrid where by the time we finished there was like 60,000 people there and I can't believe it and yeah. you know, that that's unbelievable to have been part of that day for so many people Un- unreal I've been on stage in Australia I just got back from an American tour then there's the day to day you know getting to see Lizzie and Harriet go on and do brilliant I, say, I, I wanted to mention them but um, yeah, you've done it then, get, get, go, you know like seeing that and knowing that you were just part because they're yeah. brilliant people they'd have got there themselves but being part of that you know, being able to work with everyone we work with here, all you know, every single are you happy? Yes, I could not be happier. Yeah. But the idea of of stopping, I keep saying to John, at some point we should actually sit down and I call it mad life syndrome. So I'm trying to pull a book together at the minute and I call it mad life syndrome. Like and what I want to do for the book when I'm doing the mad life syndrome paragraph is just a list. This is a list of things that has happened to me. And sort of go down them over and over again. And 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 part of why they happen is because even though there was a bit of push and pull on us doing this, I do try to be very yes to everything. Yeah. And if you are quite yes to everything, then you end up just stumbling into things, you know, from time to time. Um, like, literally, John has a journey from Damascus us to do something on stage and no one quite knew what it would be before Kiev, yeah. uh, Shevchenko Park. That ends a year later with him DJing the players' party. But... What the fuck did we say yes to in the first? Like we literally worked out what we were doing on on the off the ferry, crossing when we were on the bus to go to Kiev. That's the first time we talked about talked about what it was we were going to do. Yeah, but we did it, and and, and it you, sorry, and it led, and it yeah, and and, it, and and these things lead to one another. If you you know if you move from there, so I do at some point, and I should sit down and do the review thing of this is everything. But first and foremost, there's a lot, yeah. but also secondly like part of why it works part of why i work is you know i'm very very present in the moment and i'm also very conscious of all the shit we've got to get done in dragon yeah i i I was (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're very present in the moment and also very forward thinking yeah at the same time we used to have a joke about simon minule that you'd ask him two questions and he said oh look back at the past and he'd ask him about the next game. He said, "Oh, really? Look too far into the future." <laughs> you can only ever ask Simon Minnelli about what's, what's occurring right this moment. I wanted to be Gerard Houllier, is mad life syndrome, and Gerard. And I'm a bit like I worry I'm a bit like this now. Now that I've got a bit of distance on it. Anyway, Gerard, Gerard. It was for an event, and I met him in the afternoon. And Gerard only wanted, only wanted to talk about the good times, and he didn't want to talk about the bad times. The problem was he couldn't remember very much about the good times, and could tell you every detail about the bad times. So we're having like literally, he was telling me the detail, the detail of a semi-final or final he coached uh, with an under twenty ones team, and they got beat, and it just came up in conversation, yeah. and and how it had gone badly wrong, and then he forgot the order of scorers in a final that he'd won, manager Liverpool, <laughs> uh, the the scorers and the order of scorers, but he knew every detail of and yeah. and and it was you know a real is that, of, is that a bit you then for you 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 can get bogged down and sort of seeing the seeing the losses more forensically yeah, seeing what could have been you know i've got tons and tons of sort of an inverted commas business based regrets um you know uh it's just the truth of it really yeah you know you, you win and lose on that score and, and i remember that you know I, I can i can i can focus more on, on the stuff that's not worked as well as i'd like uh than i can on other bits and pieces um you know within that as well i do have that sort of we could have gone down another path on a couple of occasions. I could have gone down another path on a couple of occasions. Um, but none of that's, you know, to be clear in amongst all of that, I absolutely love the journey and the destination that we've been on to reach this point. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I I don't think you're human if you don't think of the life not lived 
a lot of people don't think of the life not lived and i think that they're probably lying awake less than me uh but the the flip side of that is and it is really important that if my mother does ever watch this that like i've had moments of such enormous joy and satisfaction you know the happiest i've ever seen you go on we, we, me and you played in the same team on a, a six-a-side tournament on Brexit Park, and i just remember you saying to me it was only i think it was only a group match and you said to me i just love winning and you just had this sort of look in your eyes i remember thinking I, I only, I've, I've only, wasn't even meant to be here. <laughs> I was like, this, this is getting a bit. They went up in goal. Yeah, we wanted me. We wanted to be one thing. Yeah, one yeah. thing. Uh, you ended up in goal. Uh, There's a lad who scored two in the final. Uh, you ended up in goal. You were our best player, but you ended up having to go in goal because you got a bit of an injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I remember saying to you, we're, gonna, we're winning this. Yeah, but I remember, I remember when we won one, you just said, I love winning. I was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I, I do love winning. Yeah, uh, you were happy then. I can tell you, you were angry. You were, you were, you were definitely happy then. If your mum was watching, and you, he was, he is happy. And I love, you know, and all that, like, you know, I write me piece after the match, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. But a lot of it is me summoning up, like the end. Certainly, when Liverpool have won, the energy of, of what was the joy of that, like, yeah, and really sort of country. And there's times where people look at me in the Glen Book, and I'm in tears. It's just mad. It's a mad sentence, but it's because. What I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to dredge it all. Get it all out. Yeah, because you can't, you can't, there's time, honestly, some of them are often because they're, 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 they're written when I'm very much in me cups, but there's there's times on them where the morning after I'll read them and I'm like, who wrote that? Yeah. Who wrote that? Yeah. Uh, that's mad. <laughs> Fucking hell. That felt like I need to go and speak to someone. Uh, but there's there's times, you know, on, on in that where, that what I'm, what they're trying to sort of summon and it's, you know, again, it's, it, it's a fair bit of graft. Yeah. Um, but it's it's graft that I lovely. Last Saturday after the Sunday after the United game at ten o'clock, I was in here doing CNN, uh, and then I was on a five live at six twenty in the morning. The next morning, I forgot about five live. I went back out for a bit, and I was like, "Oh God!" Uh, <laughs> and then got up and did five live, yeah. and then you uh, you were on with me at ten, yeah, <laughs> and on on the show, yeah, so yeah, and you could put you again. It was a lot to be fair, but it's <laughs> but it's and then last night we did Barnes, so I didn't get it back to ours until ten o'clock. We did a great event with John Barnes, which is amazing. Really pleased that I did it in the end in the articles, but there was a bit during yesterday afternoon. I was like, oh, come yeah. on. Can't believe I've got that to do. But then, you know, went and did it again, back being yes to everything. And it was great. Really pleased to have done the event. The crowd were lovely. Um, and, you know, within all of that, you you get moments of this. Brilliant. Yeah. This is brilliant. Just, just, I'm going to bring it to an end now. Um, I think we could probably do another episode on this. I was just thinking about that as we're talking. Maybe get Gibbo to do the second part. Um, the, the, the change in football media. I think you guys have been, if not drivers of it, certainly at the centre of the of of yeah. the influence of it and, and feeling the influence of it. How we what have you seen in in the sort of let's say let's say the eight years since, since yeah. going full time? I know what I'm and, and what on what what potentially is to come. So I I don't know what about what's to come, but one of the things I think when people wonder whether or not we become more mainstream, my response is quite emphatically the mainstream just come closer to us hundred percent. And I think that that's the I don't think we're certainly since 2015 markedly different you know in 2015 again to go back to it me and Gareth did the Heisel thing yeah something that no one else had done or gone yeah. near um, we did that then I remember listening to one uh, I think John done which was moments moments in time moments in time with about Dalgarish was yeah. and, and I remember I, remember mess- I don't message John often about anything other than I'm at the door yeah can you let me in <laughs> um, but I remember messaging and saying I've just been listening to that it was absolutely sensational yeah like that would, but that's that's commonplace now, isn't it? That's that's well, the thing. Commonplace. We don't. You, but yeah. when we do, but the point is more. We've always been doing that stuff. Yeah. 
so I think when sometimes people go, oh, you know, the Anfield app doesn't, yeah, we, we, no, we still do, you know, I'm still putting Kev Walsh on things, for God's sake. The, you know, there's, there's, and always will, by the way, because I absolutely adore the man, love him to pieces, absolute pieces. Um, and, you know, when me and Kev don't agree, it's even better. There's not a, you know, there's not a, some sort of thing there where that, that's changed. What's changed is that now you, you've got, in as casual a setting as possible, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, and Roy Keane interviewing Yapstam. That's what's changed. Yeah. They're trying to make that look like our thing. Yeah. They're, they were in the studios. They did have the suits on. They sometimes still do do that, but they also do that as well now because they want the bits that, that look yeah. like our thing. And also, guess what? They're all, I mean, I've, I've slaughtered them earlier on, but they're all relatively good speakers, charming men. You know, I think Jamie's great. Absolutely adore him. I think he's, you know, so switched on, so smart. More than that, just very, very sound. Um, they're all... They're all able to do this, you know, and then you you go around the Jill Scott things, brilliant. I know Lizzie's yeah. doesn't work on that. The Jill Scott things, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. You, you, but that again, it's been Anfield rap. Yeah, I find, I find I listened to um, Gary Lineker's one with Alan Shearer yeah. and uh, Mika Richards, and they swear. Yeah, I, I, and it's whatever you go, Alan especially. Yeah, you go. Wow, Alan loves it. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 then you can sort and and then from there you left sort of going well. So who's influenced who there? And the answer is that they've they've moved into our space, and I'm fine with it. By the way, yeah, not least because I think Arsenal's better. Um, certainly if you support Liverpool, but I also just think in the row, like the Friday show, is something I'm immensely proud of. But it also shows that you can exist, yeah, doesn't it? You know, it does. It, it's not because I'll tell you this. I mean, I had to do a you you know this obviously we had, we had conversations about it. the Liverpool Echo tried to do a similar subscription yeah. based thing, and it was re- I I didn't like the idea. I ended up involved in it, but I remember thinking. It's going to be cause trouble, you know. There's going to be there's going to be headbutts, and the, and the way, you know, in 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 a nice way, but the way obviously conversations around, yeah, you're just trying to take our space. But I think what's been proven very conclusively, I think, is that a lot of a lot of these kind of things can exist, can't they, or coexist? You know, there's room for everyone. Uh, I'm quite convinced of that. I mean, let's all this conversation, including all the stuff about me and whether or not if people watch this thing, I'm good at what I do. I think I'm good at what I do, but I could be. Fucking ten times better. I'd be fucked if I supported Doncaster. Yeah, and I think that that's where you're unbelievably privileged. Yeah, okay. it would also be much harder if I wasn't a white fella. Frankly, as well, it's worth pointing that out. It would be harder if I wasn't, you know, to do Liverpool. If I, if even if I was a white fella, but I was from London, what, what, it'd be hard. Jürgen wasn't the manager. Uh, how do you, what do you think of Jürgen hadn't come in when he came in? Do you think do you, I, that would have made it more difficult to to build that kind of? I think energy. I. Yes, in a way. I think, though, you know, it's worth saying that, f- first and foremost, I think another really formative instance in amongst all of this is 13-14. Yeah. I think the 13-14's... A favourite season, isn't it? Yeah, and it's an underrated Liverpool season in a number of ways, but for sort of, for the energy of a lot of this, I think 13-14 is the, almost the most perfect prologue yeah. of the energy of a lot of what this has become, because... To go all the way back to the, the Spirit of Shankly thing, I've mentioned before about 0809, going to the United game, and then from there there's a league push. People didn't enjoy 0809. Everyone hated each other. Yeah. Everyone hated each other. Yeah. The ground was horrible. The angriest the angriest I've ever seen Anfield, probably probably ever, was a 1-0 win over Portsmouth. And they went, and Liverpool went top of the league. It was insane. Liverpool went top of the league. And I've never I've never seen anything like it. It was fights. It was fights. Yeah, there was fights. People were fighting, genuinely. And most got back. Three points clear there. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> it was I, and this is why even now, like for instance, oh, atmosphere stuff or this or that or whatever it is, uh, people arguing online. Uh, there is there is a bit of me that's going. For, I mean, the last time I had a fight with anyone in a football ground was after we got beat at Sheffield in the League Cup, coming out of our end, 
with other Liverpool supporters who were slaughtered in the manager. In the first leg of the semi? The first leg of the semi. He's insane. <laughs> and then, and, and Anfield that night, that Portsmouth, and me and John talk about it all the time, it's, it's so funny. Because basically what it was was a series of men arguing with each other that the other should calm down. It was actually yeah, yeah. like the Enfield skit. Yeah, yeah. It was lo- genuine, like, oh. and I think the Enfield skit's mostly, you know, at times a little bit offensive, etc. It was basically lads screaming, like, yeah. why won't you just calm down? Yeah. This is mad, why won't you calm down? And people were arguing up and down the terrace of screaming at each other. It was the same night, um, Arsenal did 4-4 with Spurs. I remember getting back and that was on match of the day. And then it was like, I Liverpool, meanwhile, went off the league with this thing. I was like, I've just been to this. Like, I, was, I thought we were going down. It was emotionally exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Everyone lost that we beat Chelsea. The, week, yeah. the, 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 the Sunday we beat Chelsea with the Alonso of yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened. I, remember, I met Jono afterwards. He was giving me a lift home. And he was like, lad, what happened there? Everyone lost their minds. Maybe the fourth one, because my, grand, my granddad, the most anger I ever saw me like granddad was when Rafa dropped the team at Portsmouth away later in that season and he left people out and he wanted to end up winning. And, he, and he, he was angry that they'd won because he wanted them to be taught a lesson for leaving people out and playing Fabio Aurelio in midfield. Maybe. He play, Fabio Aurelio is centre mid. <laughs> uh, he's trying to basically get Torres fit. Yeah. So he keeps resting Torres because he's trying to get him fit. Yeah. And they win 3-2 last minute winner. And everyone lost their mind. Yeah. Everyone lost their mind. People were either first call in to the radio afterwards, I remember listening to that, was, I wish we got beat there. He's a little. We're top. It might have been me, Grand. We're top, Granddaddy. We haven't won a league since 1990. It's 2009. We've just gone top in January. We're top. But you, but you. Uh, to the point was, at the Brendan era was a lot more fun and relaxed I, and yeah. sort of you know yeah like enjoyable. It shrunk. It shrunk. I think it shrugged off all of that. Because there was also this idea of should he or shouldn't he sack, have sacked Kenny. Yeah. That was there as well. And then Rodgers has his first season. A lot of it doesn't go that well. And then all of a sudden this thing happens. And I think it really brought home what football can be in the city again. Yeah. Like how much it can get everyone yeah. together, get everyone going out. Not least because no one, almost no one has an extra grind in that, you know, I think there's a lot to be said. We all know how hard it's going to be post-Jürgen. Like it's going to be so hard post-Jürgen for so many people in a lot of different ways. There's a lot to be said for a manager people aren't that bothered about. Yeah. For a period. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for the idea of, yeah, not asked. Because no one's got, but but in both directions, no one's going to die on a sword on the one hand for him, but no one's absolutely desperate to batter people yeah. against him, if you see what I mean, and or, or get stuck into people more accurately. So, no, I think that's a massive, a massive thing in amongst all of that. And that's a, it's a really, you know, I think that that matters and helps yeah. enormously with him. Um, sorry, for, for Jürgen, I think it sets it up a little bit. And then there's a couple of other things that just sort of go Jürgen's way quite early that are, I think, just a little bit underestimated. I, I think the £77 walkout is one of them. Uh, that that happens six weeks later after that's Dortmund. Oh, Timelines are mad in 15-16. It's one of my favourite seasons, quietly 15-16, cause it's insane. When you stop to break down everything that happens through it, uh, there's loads and loads of little details. Hey, Captain Liverpool that season. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> uh, that happens in there as well. There's just loads and loads. There's 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 a, there's there's an insane Daniel Sturridge hat trick yeah. uh, in there as well. Daniel actually scores one of the great Liverpool final goals yeah. uh, that season, but obviously we all can get it. Yeah. Uh, but it's a genuinely great Liverpool goal uh, that Daniel scores through there. I think a lot of things come together for Jurgen in amongst that. In the same way that you know things come together for people in life. Genuinely, that's not to say he's a lucky manager because I don't think that. But I think what he's brilliant at and what I think. Uh, you know, we're good at, and by that I mean Liverpool supporters, is enjoying your luck, yeah. capitalising on your luck. When it does break your way, you make sure you absolutely make the most of it. Yeah. I think it's really important. 
in amongst all of this, you know, I think that that's that energy. It does matter, but if it wasn't that, it'd be something else. And also, the city will go on. The city does yeah. go on, and that's that's what people have sort of fallen in love with. And then from there, you've got to you've got to continually find ways to keep telling that story. The stories are always a little bit different. Um, that's I think another thing that you learn. You also learn the rhythms of the season. October and November are hard for everybody. They just are. They're hard in in what we do. I'm sure you saw the same yeah. thing with the newsletter. And other bits and pieces, people just begin to disengage a little bit, but then they come back strong in December. Yeah. Uh, because they understand what a season is a bit more then. Um that I think that happens, I think that's universal. By the way, I don't that's just a Liverpool thing, and that's completely universal in football. That's a live thing. You begin to work all of that out, but you also work out why year by year it's different uh, yeah. and how it works differently and how the story's a little bit different. But I think at heart the game is about enjoyment and it's about inclusivity. Uh, I think the game belongs to everybody and I think enjoying it and being able to enjoy it as much as possible is the most important thing and it's probably the thing that's most you know for me since certainly 2008 in a way it's the thing that's sort of most changed for me like I'm I like football now a lot more than I did and that's a 13 14 is it, is it? yeah yeah I like like I like all the football not just like in 2008 9 I love Liverpool winning yeah yeah and I still love Liverpool winning I still want Liverpool to win more than anything but you know like I thought Lu- Lucas Pacatar was brilliant at Anfield yeah. and I was genuinely felt privileged to have got to watch him right. this season yeah. and genuinely I was yeah. like I think this is like, it's unbelievable this I often sort of think you've got to take stock of this is at the end of our road you know like yeah, maybe yeah. you could walk from our house yeah. to Anfield be a bit of a long walk yeah. the weather to be in favour of us and we're not side views but we can walk to Anfield from there we should have done the podcast we should have done that <laughs> walk and Ash, Ash going backwards all the way can't yeah. believe that <laughs> Hamstrings Queen's Drive, <laughs> the dodgy one. Hamstrings giving out on him. Um, you know, but we can do that, and that you know, in the same way that we forget, for instance, the Liverpool Philharmonics at the end of our road, like we walk up there, and some of the best musicians on the planet, bit you know, etc., etc. All this stuff's there, but I, I don't go to the Philharmonic that often, but I do go to football, and every now and again, it's good to go with someone who doesn't go often or at all. Yeah, and they go like, like I remember one quite recently, like musicians, or someone who's not been for ten years. Why is it so fast? I wasn't as fast 10 years ago. I said to David Lynch the other day, there was a, a touch that I think it was Simicast on where someone fired one out to him. And I said to Lynch, I said, it's funny that, isn't it? I said, because like, if he'd have just let that get away from him, that's a brilliant touch to me. Like, as in like that, just getting that, just keeping that in play is a good touch. But we just, we are conditioned to how good footballers are, I think, in terms of nothing, nothing impresses us anymore almost. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you just brought that, that, that crossfield diagonal from Trent down on his weaker foot. And by the way, yeah, was stride and, and by the way, I've mentioned the crossfield diagonal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. where it's, I'm, yeah. at times I'm like, I mean, Trent's a really good example of it. The stuff that Trent does, that if you can just find your way to get out the game for a, for a split second, you'd be like, that is yeah, simply incredible what yeah. he's just done there. It is simply incredible. There's a pass Virgil played half over his shoulder, right behind me in the in in, in the lower Kemlin recently. And I had the angle of it. And Phil did as well. Phil sits sort of like almost 16 rows in front of me at the match. And it was all we were talking about afterwards. It's like the best thing I've, I've ever seen. Like, it genuinely, like, you could... It, it was like a work of art. It was important. So you've got, you've got that... I mean, you've always got the passion for it, but you've always got the, the, the love and the, more, and, the, and the appreciation of, of... More than ever. No, more than... No, more, when I, I'm going to say more than ever. People think, oh, you, you'll be messing around or something like that. No, more than ever. Like, I think... Not least because the 100 minutes, the only thing that matters is what's on the grass. Yeah. 
And that's a real, in a way, that's a real relief. Like, you know, today there's a press conference. Some people care about press conferences. Some people don't. But do I need to think, do I need to engage with this press conference? You're coming in to do this. I've got other stuff going on through the day. Uh, I've got a finance meeting tomorrow morning. I've got to read the, the bits and pieces before that. Someone said something quite interesting over. I've had other conversations. Yada, yada, yada. The hundred minutes on the day. Yes. Fuck. And, you, and, you're getting nothing but that, aren't and, and, and I, so I, I very rarely, if I'm with Rob, up where he sits, I'll go for a drink at half time. But I don't even go for a pint at half time. I just stand up there. Yeah, and um, what look at the grass and just think, great, they're going to come back in a minute. And I like, like, I'm happy to see them kick it round yeah. at half time when they're yeah, just when they're messing about. And like Harvey Elliott's just ping one forty yards to someone, and like yeah. it doesn't matter. He's laughing when he's doing it, and I'm like, I could never do that. Or I could do, give me ten goals, and I might yeah. get one that was about seventy five percent as good uh, on a good day. You know, yeah. I what what you get to see them do, what they are, what the the whole thing is, but. I think I think it's incredible. I think and the, the really funny thing is, whilst being annoyed about Manchester City, Newcastle, the league should restructure. This should be different. This should be different. The money, yada yada yada. The football has never been better. Yeah, yeah. never been better. And this year, we, I mean, I always bang. I, 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 why does everything end up with me talking about Pedro Neto? But it does. <laughs> not Pedro Neto. But it does. But because it's incredible. He's, he, he, you know, he's playing for a team who are going to come fourteenth. Yeah, and he's ten years ago. Uh, Pedro Neto was in the shake up for one of the best 10 players in the country, unarguably. And he might even still be that now, but he certainly isn't knocking around the Wolves. Yeah. I think it's, I just think it's it's the best it's ever been in so many ways. And I get irritated when, when people, when the conversation is, is, oh, football's got to be careful. It's not going to do itself out of existence with VAR or something like this. I understand why some people think that, but I just sort of think they're wrong because the thing that's underpinning it is the quality of what you're seeing on the pitch. And that's what I think is just so breathtaking. And that's the thing that more than anything, I just find the, the best conceivable recharge. You know, I've got lots of opinions on what Liverpool should or shouldn't do for West Ham at home in the League Cup. But if he picks Mo Salah, I get to watch Mo Salah. That's, yeah. And there'll be one thing Mo Salah will do. And he might have a bad game. He might have a bad game, but there'll be one thing he does that'll be like, I can't believe he's just done that. Yeah. And yeah. that, and being able to then tell the story, that's people. And I think that the last yeah. thing that I'm really able to do and grateful to get to do and hope I do a good job of good job of is reminding people about those bits. Yeah, like that's the bit you actually fortune, come for. Good fortune and or yeah. the, the privilege. Just finally, you said earlier you said you want to have a chapter in your book just devoted to bullet points of things that have happened to you. If you were if I if you were to list them in order of sort of the best, what's what's at the top in terms of the one that the one that you would go, you won't believe that this happened to me. What's the one? What's I don't the know. Point? That's a really hard yeah. question. I mean, not because 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 they all have like a narrative hook from the previous yeah. one. That's why they must do them in order. Is because you you get to sort of realise. So, I remember being overcome with happiness the day after we did a live show in Australia um, in 2013, just because thousand we had a thousand people. No one else, no one was doing events around matches. Yeah. So we had a thousand people came to this thing in Australia, and I just remember the day after just being listening to Eleanor Friedberger on on. Uh, Spotify or whenever walking through Melbourne just being like I can't believe that happened and that yeah. well, I've got loads of them if you know what yeah. I mean but that, that's one of the ones that I sort of really do I remember as one of the early ones of I sort of can't believe that that happened but there's there's a ton of them that are you know that are adjacent to it yeah. um, you know in a similar way that are, I can't believe that happened but also a lot of them people would be surprised by the sort of mundanity there's I watched back the the post-match pints because they put it in one of the groups that were in the Anfield rap, the post-match pints after they got beat by Barcelona, uh, 3-0. And me and Graves are brilliant. 
Like, like you know, and, and all that sort of stuff, but fucking great on it. Yeah. Like, I'm really, I'm, I watched it back and I was like, that's, to have nailed that, everyone always comes and talks to me about the, we did a couple of, well, I think it was my to be the, no, it was a couple of days later because it was after company, it whacked one in, me and Ben and Paul Cope uh, did a podcast people talk to us about all the time, which is the Flat Earthers podcast. People talk to it loads and when I listen back, I'm like, because we had no, John who turns up with his own agenda, I had no sort of sense of what it was we were going to do. But this is back to the idea of, like, I love Jono. And it's this idea of, I trust him. Yeah. So whatever it is, you're going to come and you're going to bring me in this room now, it's going to be good and we're going to make it work. But we didn't just make it work. It's almost like the people will do refer to it. They send it to their mates and they, they show it to the, listen, make the partners listening to it. Because it's like this quintessential version of this is what it is to support a football team. Just every football team doesn't yeah. have to be Liverpool. But why am I doing this? Yeah. Really, why? What is the why of this? People mention it all the time and, like... That's just, it's three people. It's three people I've known, in the case of Paul, at least since 2008 with, with Ben, prior to then as well. And we used to say, we used to be in the pub in 08 going, I'll tell you what, if people could just record this, what we're saying here. Yeah. And yeah. so you can get carried away with, and I listen, you know, when I'm lucky enough to interview the manager. It's big I, moments. You get carried away with that stuff. What I love genuinely is getting to the end of a set of shows. That one was good. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's an alchemy to that it's not you don't you don't you don't plan for a show being really good it just sort of becomes really really good you can't you, you can't preheat it um you know you can you, you can't you, you can you can have the ingredients i do think that but you can't be you know you can't be saying of the outcome there is there is an alchemy there and, and those moments where there is that sort of you no know, that one that one really yeah. really hit and i do think about those bits as much as and, and people would other people would, would feel you know sort of differently about that but i think those bits are the bits where that's that's what you do it for yeah and that's back to that idea of and again maybe there should be more of the the bigger moments in there and people might be right i think you should reflect on those ones more genuinely if people think that i don't disagree with them in amongst all of this but that's back to that idea of right that's that's all that's what we're doing tomorrow yeah what's tomorrow look like are we going to make tomorrow work what's the good thing there you know who's on the post west ham tomorrow who's on the post is that going to be good um, well, we'll worry about sort of the detail of it later. All right, what does Friday look like? I've got a great 29th in store. Uh, I've got good people in on the 29th. I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, um, I'll, you know, we did the live stuff recently in, yeah. uh, in America. A couple of the shows were, were terrific. Really yeah. pleased with them. So you can just, you know, I don't want to come across miserable. I'm not miserable. Again, my mum, I'm not miserable. I don't want to come across miserable or I don't want to, like when I'm part of me being constantly thinking about the small things or what could be perceived to be the small things is because I know that if the small things are really good everything else will come into place so if you know it's 14 shows a week and if I host 7 of them or I'm on 9 of them and I'm able to come away from all 9 and think you know what good yeah, that's a good week yeah, and that you know you build on that and then the other thing that you get is you know you get to see everyone and there's times where the contributors are the most important thing like they just are there's not a I love the listeners. So if you're if you're one of those and not a contributor, I apologise. You're my second favourite group. Uh, but my favourite group is the contributors. The contributors, uh, yeah. And I love those moments with them, and I love them feeling like that was a good show. That yeah. Uh, you know, me and you talked in the summer, and Craig would love it. And I'm sorry to pull the curtain back. If I just got Neil in and he only talked about transfers, and Craig would be delighted if if we did that. And I, I was like, I spoke to Neil. I didn't want to do that because Neil's really good talking about footy. I love him talking about football. He gets the game and he understands the game. So how do I get Neil doing that? And Get, then get the best out that, that best bit and that's what I want and so Craig's unlucky he's going to have to cop for that one and that 
that sort of because people love transfers. So if you're lost watching this, you love transfers, and so what that means is that everyone obsesses about transfers. Don't worry about transfers because you get to watch them play the game. But talking about that stuff's the best bit. Getting people doing that, getting you know Anna Walsh on an AFQ being unbelievably funny, but being herself is brilliant. Getting you know being able to for people getting Ali McGovern to just be able to talk about football and not have to be an MP for an hour is brilliant. Um, you know, it's a really good thing. Um, I love doing power rankings recently with Siobhan and Shard. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, Neil Dawkins been hosting stuff and he's been doing a great job. I'm delighted. And uh, I'll listen back. Fucking Cav. You know, everyone loves Damien Cavana on the post-match stuff. And Damien loves doing it. And he's he's in he's in the, in the Stanley because he, he went to it when it was the Stanley and he calls it the Stanley because mates in the Stanley. And it, it, it's just an extension of his mates in the Stanley. But people are getting to listen to that. I love that. They're the wins. They're the wins. Everything else is brilliant. Uh, but ultimately, take a medal if you think you deserve one. That was it. You just stole my line, and that was my that was my segue out. <laughs> there's, there's there's Ronnie Moran for you there, giving a, a message that can be used in more than more than one sphere across life. Most definitely, take a medal if you think you deserve one. You probably don't. You probably don't because you're not thinking about tomorrow. Um, Neil, thanks very much. What do you see your time? Um, I don't know why you're nervous. I don't know why you don't do more of these. You probably should. We might even do a second part. Uh, we'll see what the comments say. Eh? Um, but listen, thanks for your time. Thanks for the studio Thank space. Thanks to Ash for producing. Again, <laughs> he's going to do a brilliant job. I know on that because that's his job. Yeah. And he's good at it. Um, and that's why he's in it. So thanks to you guys for watching. Give it a like. Give it a comment. Give it a subscribe. Give it a kind comment. Tell your mates about it. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to producing a little bit more of this. Cheers, guys.